This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studio in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit shoptalkpodcaststudio.com. Over Westside, everybody know everybody, right? I got nothing but love in my heart for Westside niggas, nothing but love. Pink suits with hats to match. Big crocodiles and Cadillacs. You looking for the fattest sacks. This is where it's at. Windows tinted. Seats for lyric line. Keep the hands on the burner. Cause niggas know that it's money on our mind. Yo, what up, though? Shaman J. Johnson, a.k.a. the Tinfoil Hat Titan, a.k.a. the Conspiracy Realist, a.k.a. the Technology Snob, Steve Jobs Jr. Don't text him with your green bubbles, a.k.a. I only debate my equals. Everybody else I teach. Also known as Juice, because all the hoes say J.U. Ice. Young Caesar, because you know you can't roam without me. Mister, if you don't like me, fight me. I got kicked out of Noah's Ark because they couldn't find another animal just like me. A.K.A. the West Side T'Challa, the new leader of Wakanda. Don't debate me, debate your mama. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. What up? What up, though? And it's your man, Dame. Three underscores, 313. The West Side Landlord, the Pride of PA. High Chief Dame, don't fuck around. The liquor store legend, the corner store conquistador, your mama's favorite Dame. And the David Ruffin of the Shop Talk podcast, because you know who the fuck they came to see. Not you, Otis. It's no better than these four letters. Thank God for Dame. And if you're speaking on Dame, you better say it nice. And if you don't put the boss in front, then bitch, you're not saying it right. It's the honorable Judge Boss Dame and his bitch all rise. Yo, welcome back. Shop Talk Podcast, episode 386. On you hoes. 386 of them things. Yeah, man. In a row. <laughs> a model of consistency. Nah, that shit crazy. You know, some days I'll be wanting to call you, like, why don't we just take just take one off? Like, just take Friday off. Or you can just double up an episode. Or you can just take a, you know what I mean? Just do it the right way. You feel me? No, we just do something different. Like, even Kyle Ripken, like, the streak was broken eventually. So you judge everything by the white man. No, motherfucker. <laughs> AC Green had a good-ass streak. The like, 45-year-old virgin. You, your examples are horrible. I don't care what AC said. He got <laughs> pussy. He was getting pussy with Magic and fucking Big Game James. He was. No, no I'm. Oh. I mean, <laughs> look, I've said some things about Magic Johnson. I just want to keep it cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That nigga owned an NFL team. Man. Wow. That's big. That's it is. huge. A minority owned, like a black man owning a piece of an NFL team. That's a big deal. Fam, he didn't own a baseball team and a basketball team. That's. Not too many people that probably got that on they on they on they bingo board. And now he on the NFL team. Magic know how to get to that money. He was a part owner in the Lakers, right? Yeah. So he did all three. Yeah. Yeah. Before he because he had to sell his shares in order to be the GM, right? He had to he had to give up some with them Dodgers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they gave him like some minority stake in the Lakers. Then when he quit on them niggas, <laughs> I ain't gonna be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dog, I love quitting the job. I think that's. I think it's the most. It's the best shit in the world. Uh, when you got another job. Yeah, when you got another. <laughs> even if you don't have another job, just the feeling, the satisfaction you get, because knowing is like, man, fuck these hoes, fuck these hoes, fuck these hoes. Um, I sent my resignation letter in the middle of the night. Last job I quit. I ain't give a fuck. I threw the computer away. I wasn't even taking that bitch back to UPS. I dumped that hoe in the trash. 
So they took it out the final check. <laughs> no, no. See, I I knew I was quitting, so I used up all my PTO. So I ain't had shit when they fight. Like when I quit, like nigga, I'm. No, I'm saying usually if you owe some equipment, like we gonna charge you for that shit. I don't know how they gonna get it. They ain't send me an invoice. Fuck it. <laughs> hey, it's man, gone man. now. Hey man, whatever floats your boat. You feel me? <laughs> I like quitting though. Quitting jobs. Quitting jobs. Um, I don't know how many jobs I quit. Uh, I mean, I guess I done resigned a couple times. I should have went back to the one I I quit. No, not like the proper way. Uh, like nigga, the nigga, 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 nigga. I quit this place. No, I usually got solid relationships. <laughs> so I, uh, I used to want to quit. I, I remember I was I said I was going when I when I when I'm quit Sears back in the days to work in the paint department. I was like I'm just gonna knock all these paints off the uh, shelves. I didn't do that shit because they was really. I mean, they ain't really do that to me. It wasn't <laughs> like, that bad. It wasn't that bad. Like, you was just sick of them niggas. You know what I'm saying? So you know, man. I, now, I hated that last job. I ain't give a fuck. Like I don't take jobs too personal. Like I always looked at jobs as just like work. You know what I'm saying? I never expected nothing from them other than like a paycheck. I wasn't. They just. They just always been like. Uh, you can grab work. a chair in the studio next door. Uh, they just always been work. So like I ain't never really was too emotionally tied up in uh, any of them like that. So fuck it. Mm. Anyway, man, how how was your week, my brother? It was all right, man. Them, them kids back in school, love it. How many? How many in school now? All five. Shit. Well, I mean, it growing, it growing don't count. College and four, shit. Count to me. <laughs> I mean, you ain't got to take them to school. <laughs> nah, I ain't got to take them, but I mean. Your I, daughter, she was she she a senior yet? Yeah, she in 12th grade. Man, my niece is senior now. She This is her senior year. Like, so that one about to fall off in a, <laughs> right? Nope. Ain't shit changed, bro. No, I'm saying, like, she hit, she about to hit 18 soon. Yeah, that don't mean that child support finna fall off. Is that if that's what you ask it? Why don't it? It don't work like that. It's gonna follow her at least till she graduate in June. Oh, but, I ain't talking about like in mid school year. That'd be kind of fucked up. No. Like, <laughs> oh, that'd be kind of fucked up. But uh, but like just in general, nah, man. When my oldest like graduated and went on, ancient change. But I mean, she had the kids most of the time, so I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna trip. I don't trip about money or child support. Like just, just. It. Kids need shit. They need shit. They gotta eat. They gotta have shit. And then like not everybody gets shit. So nobody can be like, eh, you do more. No, no. Everybody get the same shit. Everybody get the same experience. So no, it's cool. So your baby mama got kids by other one by the man. One does. Okay. So that whole conversation that's going on online and stuff about people taking care of other people's kids and stuff like that. Well, how you feel about that? I mean, so my ex-wife got remarried. I ain't shitting on her husband, but like if that nigga wanna buy some gym shoes and shit, I wouldn't be mad. Like, you know what I'm saying? If he <laughs> he wanna buy some winter clothes, that'd be fine by me. Like I don't expect him to do shit. But I mean if he did, I mean I, think, I mean thanks. I I'm appreciative I, also. I think at a certain age, like the person you date probably gonna have children. So like this is a realistic possibility and like just on some human shit like you want the kid like i know some people be like we a package deal no you ain't no yeah they a package deal like if you dating some if you dating somebody seriously and either you got a child or they got a child 
y'all didn't thought about, you know, is, is this person suitable to be a step parent or whatever? Or nigga, you done looked at that child like, do I really want to live with this little smart mouth motherfucker that drink Mountain Dew all night? Like, I don't know. And this like, nigga dirty. He don't. He barely listened to his mama. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going to bark back at me like, do I want to. I guess it depends on the age, too, because like, well, has this little. Has he ever lived with a man before? Has he ever seen what a man is? Like, no, and, some, and at some ages, them little niggas be too far gone. They ain't a man in the house. And she be she be treating them like the man. Nigga know. walk around with no shirt on. You know what I'm saying? Talk all loud. Say bro all the time. Like, nah, he he think he the man in the house. <laughs> he think he the man in the house. Y'all hear that shit. Yeah. Y'all teach. <laughs> nigga, I went to my daughter high school and I'm, I swear to God, in 10 minutes, I heard bro more times than I could, like, even keep a ticker up with. Like, that's how they, so let me, they're speaking half phrases and shit. Have you ever seriously dated somebody with a child? Like, not yeah. just, like, kick it. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, yes. like, I think I want to, like, be in a relationship with this person. Absolutely. And, like, what do you think? Like, you, like, fuck these kids? Or is, like... Nah, them, you, be, <laughs> you be doing shit with them kids. Yeah, like, just, you know what I'm saying? It's normal. Like, you know? <laughs> if you over there enough, like, yeah, you breaking bread with them. You watching TV, playing video games, like, doing shit that people do when they in the house. Yeah. So, the, all them, the, the, I hate social, well, social media is, is interesting because... It's a lie, man. A Niggas lot of be people, lying. they just have all these hypothetical conversations that they... Or their loved ones, or no one's ever actually been in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and That's then what about. <laughs> it ends up shaping real life because now when that situation comes, you've read all these different opinions of people who never lived it, and now, oh yeah, I think this is how I'm supposed to act now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's lying just, to it's, themselves. It's it's just lies on top of lies. Like, mm-hmm. yo, like let's just be for real. It's expensive as fuck out here. Like, life is hard than a motherfucker. If you got somebody, like, lock in and just figure that shit the fuck out. Figure that shit the fuck out. It's hard by yourself. It's hard together. At least y'all can combine some motherfucking resources and make it just a little bit less hard shit. Yeah. Like, that social media shit, it's a lie. It's a lie. Niggas be happy and merry and be splitting bills and letting their house run how the fuck it need to run for them and their family. And they take trips and they do happy shit and ain't nobody complaining. Yeah, It's a mixed bag because some people be, they be explaining their truth on social media, but you don't know the backstory to it. Like, oh, that shit worked for them because all this stuff happened off the screen you thinking that you can do that with your lady like nah this that's not that's not the thing or you know it's all person and you just gotta thing. be realistic you gotta look at yourself and look at your circle look at yourself look at your circle like maybe the motherfucker you waiting on is the lottery ticket and maybe your best and realistic option is the nigga that work at the ups or the chick that she work at the security desk at the front office she cute she got a good job all right, like just just figure it out, cause you we we be too far gone for our fantasies too. Cause it, it doesn't get any better. Like it, there's no end game to all of this. Yeah. All this conversation, there is no solution to it other than that. In terms of kind of figuring it out with people who are around you, because it's only gonna get more difficult. Yeah. To to be with somebody. Nick, my nigga said it last week on the podcast. He was talking about like we was talking about four hundred one k. And, like, how you see them commercials, like, John and Mary, like, you all have a million five in your 401k. They old as fuck. 
And a million five seemed like a lot of money, but like, nigga, you're not going to touch another dime for the rest of your life. And it's going to have to last you Mm. till you die. And then like a million five is something different today than a million five going to be 25, 30 years from now when I get ready to retire. Because like that's a million five. Yeah, that's a million five ain't going to maintain a certain quality of living. I'm going to still be working. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to work. Like, I, yeah. I honestly look at my life and I just be like, nigga, you, there's no retiring. Listen, I'm going to tell there's you. There's no retiring. I'm in the college world. I'm, you know, in the university world. And it's cats that's not retiring. Like, they may have been working there for 40 years and they're going to be teaching African history until they literally pass out in Yo, the chair. My soci- in the class. My sociology teacher. He... I, now, I took sociology in college. I didn't graduate from college, but I fucked around at WC3D because okay. my pops worked there so I could take classes free. So I just dicked around. I took enough classes to kind of like work towards something and keep them off my back. But like, I ain't do shit with it. So anyway, my sociology teacher there, I ain't going to say a nigga name because he's still teaching. But he was. <laughs> <laughs> my nigga was old as fuck 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like he was an old man then. Nigga, yeah. I'm talking about gray hair sliding his feet across the floor. Yeah. This nigga would yeah. sit on the desk, lecture for an hour. He'd be like, look, you pull out a tape recorder, you gotta get the fuck out. He was like, we don't take no notes. Yeah. We don't you we don't tape shit. We just gonna talk. He said, because I'm about to retire and I don't want none of y'all fucking up my pension. Yeah. Twenty years later, this nigga is still down there teaching, mm-hmm. telling that same lie. So, telling kids <laughs> them same that's this nigga has no plans on stopping. Yeah. I'd be wondering though, like with, with certain college professors or like especially from some something like sociology, it's like I probably think my view on the world is important mm-hmm. and I want more people to 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 think like me because mm-hmm. This the generation that's gonna be taking over and all the other right. good stuff. They may not never want to stop because, like, my opinion is, you know how we be thinking about the younger kids coming up now and music and shit like that. Like, you don't know they don't know what the fuck they talk about. So the the new younger teachers are probably coming in with their brand new ideas and they probably like, no nah, man, y'all about to ruin this shit. I'm just not. I'm not going nowhere. I want the world to continue to think this way. Or I or I've been around so long that. I used to think like that when I came in. Now you need to actually hear this or whatnot. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm, I'm fairly sure it could be about money, too. No, no. no. You know what? And, and then we're going to introduce because we got educators in the building. With yeah. us. You know, we all think about the moments and we probably all had teachers or professors, niggas that said like something in class and it stuck with you forever. Right. And while I'm thinking about the sociology teacher, this nigga said something so fucked up in class that he couldn't get away with it like in current day. Like, it would probably be like a Me Too type of thing. There was like a cafe in the building and people, you can go get you some food. So you ain't really supposed to eat in class, but I mean, motherfucker, these, these cheese sticks hot and fresh, what the fuck you want me to do with them? Like, Class started, I'm going to eat these cheese sticks and shit. And he was talking about this one girl and the reason why she was fat. And he called her fat to her face yeah, in front of the that. class. Yeah, you can't do that. I think you should, though. We got to bring back shame. We'll talk about that, too. But he called her fat in front of the class. And he said the reason he was talking about the massification of America. And he said it's, it's going to come from our condiments. And he was talking about, like, buttermilk ranch, honey mustard, Catch all that up. All that shit that you like to pour on, he said, it's not just the food that's killing you, it's the condiments. And he said, 
20 to 30 years from now, we're going to see the massification of America and then the mutilation of America. And I remember this nigga saying that shit like 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. And like, yeah. it was it was true. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't know. It's, it's difficult saying certain words because they have a negative connotation, even when it's not meant to be a negative yeah. connotation. Like at one point, midget was like, that's what it was, right? And now right. that because the feeling behind it, people use it to to demean you. So I'm gonna just make you change the word. You can't change the feeling behind. It. I'm gonna make you change the word. And now, like stuff that used to be clinical terms, now it's offensive because you use it to hurt somebody. But the word right. was the word. It was the. I mean, this is the definition of. But, but we the old, we the old guards. Like we are fading out, and new kids don't know them terms. So when they just know little people, they know yeah. special needs. They don't. They don't know like. But if I say special needs, like I can keep saying that, and now that's official. Now we got. Nah, we gotta. You can't say special needs no more. Now you gotta say ability. Ability. And then be like, oh, look yeah. at this guy with his ability. Like able, you can differently able. Yeah, you, you know. can do that forever. forever. Yeah, because you can't. Where, where I would just say that, whereas the standard was, you know, um, fitting into a mold when yeah. we were kids, when we were young kids, and as we moved away from being a, a society that manufactures stuff, so they was putting people in these situations. Now the standard is individual individuality. So. That has to be the thing that is honored. So your man's, even though he was factual, everything that he was saying was true. Everything is is based in research. He will still encounter some tough times. Yeah, you know, and be retiring with his old self. Yeah, Have, being forced to retire, maybe. I mean, you also got to read the room, like you know, when you say that, that yeah. might hurt somebody's feelings. Absolutely. So, but when you're not being recorded. And ain't but no see, note taking. You can get away. Anybody can be recorded too, and you have to even act like you have to even teach like you are being recorded because you never know. I've I've seen situations where a professor things have come to me where a professor says something inappropriate and it was being recorded without the professor knowing. Like professors walk into the situation knowing mm -hmm. that they potentially could be recorded and not have knowledge of it at that point. So, I think. Nah, I'm a, I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, well, let's go around. Yeah, let's, let's, go, let's introduce yourselves. Let's start with you, man. Uh, Rob Wallace. Um, returning guest. Returning guest. Friend of the show at this point. No doubt. Uh, what should I say? I can't do the thing like y'all said it with the, the princess such and such, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay. Nah, uh, teacher, educator, um, lecturer, um, executive director of the Amplify Project. Um, yeah. Doing a lot. Perrier water drink. Perrier water drink. <laughs> Why you clowning me? This is zero sugar, zero calories, zero fat. Perrier drinker, Pellegrino, the Pellegrino pirate. Y'all don't know if you can call me that. I never checked the sugar content of water. Before. Listen, this is cheaper. This is cheaper than Coke Zero is. So you tell me the regular water got sugar in it? You said sugar, no sugar. No sugar. Regular water is cool too, but this got bubbles. So if you drink a lot of, pop, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, this gotcha. still give you that, you know, whatever. Gotcha. It's sparkling. Um, yeah, so doing a bunch of stuff, you know, that we probably can get into, but, you know, just trying to finish this PhD, too. Mm. Um, All right, man. So right. hopefully this, I'll be walking across the stage this December. Sweet. All right. Good shit. Good shit. What's up, everybody? Why Why you didn't do the uh, rapping intro, right? I mean. Nah, dog. That's you. 
No, go ahead. I, 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 I go ahead, son. Go ahead. I didn't tell the guys about the intro. <laughs> I rhyme a little bit. Because I ain't want them to come. I want to see if they can still freestyle. That's what <laughs> I, I, I tell you right now, our best shot at that is Mike. Oh, that's, for sure. That's, that's the best shot. And Mike, since you're going last, you, you can really, really like it, it up. up. Okay, yeah. I got you. But no, nah, Kente Rosser here. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having us back uh, here on behalf of I Am In Demand. With my man to my left and everybody that's in here, mm. um, a lot. I'm I'm a returning guest as well, yeah, man. Yeah, the show too. Did you, did the show. Show. Did you rap the first time you yeah. came? Did you rap? No, I didn't. No, I'm he, not he, gonna rap this time. He, he, he was straight on. He was straight on education. Yeah. I got records with Dame. See, yeah. I got records with the brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah but um, what else? Oh, a lot. A lot has changed since I've been here the last time. I'm married now. Yeah, congratulations. Praise God. And. Uh, similar to my boy Rod Wallace working on a doctoral degree, so no, okay. working my, working my way through that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Quan Ellums, uh, first time here. Welcome, welcome. The, the Rizzo. No, whatever. No, <laughs> <laughs> call me. Yeah, educator. Doesn't like uh, Rizzo. <laughs> no, yeah. No, nah, I didn't say that, man. You, kinda, you said yeah, that, nah, man. Like, you just said that last time. You no, didn't. The, uh, uh, educator. Uh, yeah, don't. You can't say that. Nah. Uh, yeah, I like the Rizzo, man. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah, educator. Twenty years in the game. Uh, resident, southeastern Michigan, Detroit. Um, glad to be here. Glad to have you. Brian Ferguson Bay, uh, educator on behalf of I Am In Demand. Juan Nellis is the man, yo. We got to give it up for him. Uh, BMEA f- affiliate, yeah, uh, doing out. a lot of great things. Self-proclaimed community activist, you know, trying to do some things in the neighborhood uh, while doing my thing in school as well. Uh, you know, doing what we do, just trying to make everything a little bit better. All right. Sweet. So- can, can I get my Go ahead, man. Too? Get your shit off. Uh, Lucius <laughs> left foot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Mike Siebert, Instagram handle EST Mike A. That's M I C A Y E. AKA Mr. 30 for 30. Uh, AKA Baby T Mac. AKA Buddy Love. You know what it was, cuz. Um, educator. Been in the game for three years. Now this is my third year. Um, music artist. Been writing since forever. Third grade. So that's 03 for me. No doubt. I don't know about everybody else, but wait, 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 wait. In 03, you was what? I was in third grade. No, no, no. Facts. No. Facts. Facts. That's crazy. Grown ass hell. That's crazy. Damn. 95, baby. I started, I started a job I'm working at now in 03. I graduated high school in 95. I was learning my time. I started teaching in 03. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> Welcome, though. You could have kept I, that one, Mike. <laughs> man, I appreciate you, brothers, for being here, man. I appreciate it. Black you educators. Up. Like, this is all y'all in Detroit, ain't it? Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking with y'all. I know it's, I we know we're all in Detroit at one point. You mean this is all of us that exist in <laughs> yeah. Detroit? Oh, no, it's a lot. It's a lot, man. It's, it's, if I could say, um, it, one of the reasons that Quan is such, you know, Quan is like glue. Like, it's a lot of people who are connected, who I've been able to connect with, who's doing this work that's black men through Quan, you know. Um, nice. the connection with the BMEA piece, the I Am In Demand piece, the Lyricist Society piece. All of these different kind of entities where black men are kind of, you know, circling education. 
Quan is kind of like the the dot connector for all of those things. Okay. So it's a lot more. It's a lot more of us. It's just we so spread out. We used to be two percent of all public school teachers. Now we one point three. Yeah, mm. mm-hmm. all public school teachers. So one out of a hundred. Uh, it's, it's, it's y'all in curve. Them all the, it's like Shit, my brother in law. Like I know a couple, uh, couple black educators, couple black male educators sprinkled yeah. around. I mean, uh, like in real life, the when y'all was saying or when somebody said, like when you think back to stuff you heard in school or whatever. To, uh, the two teachers I can uh, uh, come off the top of my head were black male teachers. Uh, my English teacher, Mister Roberts or Doctor Roberts. Um, that was like 11th, 12th grade. He was a, a difficult teacher, but I use more of the stuff that he taught me in my actual professional life and writing and understanding sentences and, and uh, what have you. And, uh, Mr. Cool, uh, from Cass. Yeah. I just remember him teaching us the, I just remember being loud. 42 negative confessions or whatever, how, yeah. however he positioned it. But that was the first time I heard it. And I was like, I don't know. Quan went to Cass for 13 years. Y'all, y'all went to Cass? Yeah. For sure. What year? 99. 2000. I graduated from Cody, though. I got kicked out. Me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Quan was there for a hot minute. I went back to teach there, though, man. All oh, that's kids, what's all up. The, all the uh, teachers. Well, I was a knucklehead, and I ended up teaching next to him. So, you know, that was. got to be a good feeling. That was cool. They didn't, they didn't remember. The only person that remembered me really was Miss Ashford. And, you know, she was the principal. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the only reason she remembered me because I got kicked out of my science class. I didn't have a science class my ninth grade year. So I got kicked out and I had to, sp- she was the science department head at that point. And I had to spend like the whole year with her. Yeah. That's that's why she remembered me. <laughs> Man, it'd be funny when I, I run into like, uh, I run into like older teachers that are uh, from elementary school, middle school. And like, I'm going to remember your face for the rest of my life because you, you serve so much of a, uh, inspiration or what have you, but they see kids oh, yeah. like I got to remember your face from 30 years ago. Yeah. I guess it, that's a tough thing. And, uh, you can see when they be, Oh yeah. Like, you know, you don't remember me, <laughs> but it's cool though. I, I, I even appreciate you acting like you remember me. Cause no, a lot of times teachers do though. They did. Remember. And, yeah. uh, it, 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 it also depends on how many different schools or different districts you've worked at. Yeah. Because when you see the former student, Based upon their age, it kind of gives you a frame of reference of where you had them as a student, yeah. how old they might be now, and that helps kind of place the face with the name. But I, I seem, and I'm sure we all do, I run into a lot of former students, Absolutely. man. And I don't know time. if it's the reflection of the world being a smaller place nowadays uh, or what, but I, I bump into former students all the time. You really can't go out without bumping into a mm-hmm. former student. And, and, and like going to weddings, being invited. I mean, because of social media too. Yeah. yeah, getting invited to weddings, getting invited to gender reveals. You do you know go to? Saying? Do you go to that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if they was good. I mean, if they was, <laughs> if they was thug, and it's a little bit different. But I mean, and, and it works kind of both ways. You also see, you know, things that happen where you had kids that reach out to you because something is going on. I, I, I'm looking for a job. I don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? I've had kids that have done that. Um, and you, it's good to see your kids doing good. And I know that I, I, I have kids that have surpassed me in every way. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I talk about him all the time. Uh, Lando yeah. is one of my kids. Um, and he treats me with a level of respect that is unreal. You know what I'm saying? So shouts out to all my kids. And anytime I see, I, I recognize their faces all the time. 
So if I see you and we look at each other and I look and you, you know, like Mr. Wallace or I, you know, or I, I recognize you and I, I don't remember everybody's name. Yeah. But I tell all the kids that I ever had, you know, I love you. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Whatever you're doing, what you're doing, what you need help with, so on and so forth. I was, I was looking at something today. They said the human, the average brain can remember match 125 names to faces or something like that. And then, I mean, anybody above that, like you're, you're a little bit on average, you can remember name, face, like 125 yeah. people at a time. I'm thinking like, oh, no, I might be a little bit above average. Yeah, I think I could do <laughs> 500. Yeah. Hey, but speaking of the student-teacher dynamic, Mike is Quan's former student. Mm. And I will say this, lyrically, Mike has surpassed Quan. Lyrically, lyrically. To be fair though, not a lot of people on earth can touch me. I'm not a kingpin, just kingpin. I like that. That's why. (laughs) I like that. So, man, we had a couple things go on this week we wanted to touch on. Yeah, we were talking about when we first walked in about the USA being trash. That's what you said. Frauds. Team USA is trash. They don't have no fucking big men that can grab no rebounds. Like, they got Paulo Banchero, but, like, they need Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo down there in the paint. So you think the reason that they lost to FIBA is because they didn't grab rebounds? No, 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 no. And they need some They need some more scoring options. If you can get Booker to maybe play, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need you need another body out there that can get hot. Maybe, maybe if you can get Jason Tatum to play. That's a, It looked like a different team. I mean, they, they – I look at that team and I'd be like, is these the best, the best in the NBA? Man, these are some of the best players in the NBA that was on that team. So my question is, like, why is everything always the emphasis on offense? What about defense? Why do you don't have nobody who's playing defense? I get it, for sure. I think right now, because this is a continuation of Noah Lyle's comment from a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about uh, he gets sick every time he hear the NBA champion say they're the world champion. And, like, I literally am competing against the actual world. This is the National Basketball Association. This is a national team. It's like the NCAA champ is not the, the world champ of college. Like, this is a national thing. And others, NBA players and c- commentators, whatever, they're like, well, but the best of the best play here, so it's world. I don't know that that's the case, right? Because if the only time that the USA is successful is when we send our best of the best, the tip top, then that means the average NBA player is not better than the rest of the world. So by default, okay, maybe we got 20 of the best players in the world, but the, the, it's like 500 of them. So if the, if the people on the squad right now are above average NBA players, so if you can't send a group of above average NBA players across the world to play and win, then can we literally say we the best? For our American born. That's that's, that's the the last time the, the USA was we were completely dominant in basketball was ninety two. After ninety two, that shit put the world on notice. The whole world, like, yo, we got to like maybe we can't beat them now. But, like, we got to step our athletes up and we can beat these niggas. Are you talking about the 92 Olympics? Yeah. That was that kind of – I feel like that put the world on notice. Like, these are the best of the best. But that type of disparity ain't been seen since then because the best are in the world now. I mean, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, a sports – I don't follow sports like that, but there's an American team that's playing right now. Yeah. They just oh. got eliminated. All right, perfect. Okay. So now Olympics is always different because even with the runners, like 
you the times you get during the the, the championships in between the Olympics is going to be different. Like you know, like you got Elaine Thompson who just ran her personal best. I think earlier today, which was like a ten eighty five personal best this year. Yeah, five. At the Olympics, she ran a 10.5, you know. Matter of fact, she 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 ran her personal best about three weeks ago at um the World Championships, and she's she's like she's really really close to getting um FloJo's record. Uh, but like, well, no, well, Elaine Thompson Harris, she she oh was the, you yeah, know what? Nah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. I'm Sharika. thinking about Sharika. Yeah, Thompson. but Elaine Thompson, like you say, she, she's the she's the Olympic champion, 10.5. Nobody's hit that yeah. this year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. And so I think people just I think at the the Olympic years are it's different. You know what I'm saying? So I think people take it, even the the American team, they take it a little bit differently than I, the off I years. I, I don't think this is the best that America has to offer that's on the court for the USA basketball right now, though. The Olympic year it will be. Okay. Yeah, I, I know for the uh, but for the FIBA is not for the Olympic year it, it will be. Hopefully it will be, but. So to your point about ninety two, the dream team was unmatched. That next that next four year team, that was pretty good. Ninety six was pretty good too. There was a drop off for a couple of world championships and Olympics. When Carmelo started playing. When Carmelo, Tim Duncan. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that team. But when the year that Kobe came back the Redeem team. The Redeem team, I think they were the truth. I think we getting back to that little that little time frame, that little time period where, you know, U.S. won bronze and, yeah. you know, they weren't really out there competing because this team that was on the floor, I, they ain't really they ain't really bringing it. But is it just me? I haven't really closely followed it. It seems like a lot of Americans are playing for other international teams, yeah. right? I mean, it's a lot of NBA players who are Americans yeah. who are like mercenaries. Like they recruited by these other countries to play on their team. They have mama, some affiliation. Yeah, with my mama won for Filipino, so I yeah. can yeah. I can play. But the American coaches are coaching um, teams overseas yeah. as well. But it, it, I, so I just I think it's like in '92, um, Michael Jordan was the 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 premier player, and like. He was so fucking special. The whole world was like, I got to do that. You know what I'm saying? And everybody just started hooping. I don't even think that they, we ain't put the world on notice. The world was like, oh, that's what y'all doing? Like, I want to do this. And they got progressively better every fucking year. But why though? Because instead of just kind of doing it and growing or trying to grow it in a disorganized way, they actually started building systems at the amateur level that really, really taught kids the game. And, and I think play. that's something that we still kind of lack. Yeah, and I think, I think America for sure, or the NBA has the best talent, uh, the best athleticism, and everything like that. Right. I don't know that we play basketball better than the rest of the world because you put all the athlete athletes and everything like that. Now, when you got the tip top, the best of the best, their athleticism even over surpasses really good basketball players. But if it ain't, if you gotta assemble the Avengers. To beat Argentina or uh, who do we lose to last week? But, but like I don't know that we can just say that yeah, we the best. But that Argentina team, that I mean, that's not like <clears throat> to my understanding. That Argentina team has been assembled as well. So if our, if there's a league within the country of Argentina, they take the best from each of those teams to make the Argentina Olympic team. Just as America, just like the NBA does. When they assemble their team, so this is not just like a team that's already in existence that's now coming to play internationally. They like pick the best from these teams to come and compete as well. Yeah, and I think 
they best when they put their best team or, or look at them on the stat sheet and you look at the teams that we send over on paper we should we should mop we them. should i agree but they playing basketball yeah. better than us they not necessarily we may have a better shooter yeah. a better rebounder or whatever but like it's different than just stats yeah. on the on the paper i think they're they're playing basketball actual basketball yeah a complete game yeah like, i think each individual function that players do now is better than they did 20 years ago yeah. for sure they can dribble better they can shoot fast i mean they can shoot better they can probably run faster but that don't mean that you play basketball better. Like, my personal opinion, I think Kobe Bryant is a better basketball player than LeBron James. That doesn't mean that LeBron James stats and everything or he's not the best or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, the game of basketball. Like, I'm read the fucking rule book. The, I read the – he read the referee's rule book to understand where they at on the floor at all times so I can adjust my game. Like, I think <clears> – <throat> The game of basketball is different than yo, I'm the best basketball player. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It may sound like semantics, but no, I got you. I yeah, you. I mean, you know, there, but there's a, a portion of anything really, but especially talk, talking about sports, where it's like a, some of the intangible things. Like, yeah, you know, you think about Michael Jordan. He's at the free throw. I forget what game it was, but he got his eyes closed. You know, yeah. Man. Steph Curry shooting with his eyes closed. You know that that's that's not taught. I mean, that's basketball. But then you think about like in the world. Of science, um, Ben Carson, he's doing complex brain surgery. Yeah. His eyes closed. You know what I'm saying? So it's like these these intangible things that you can't necessarily teach, that you can't study. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to rapping, you get people who go to the booth they don't write stuff down, and they just, and they come out sounding like you know <laughs> they coming out sounding like like it's it's you know that that it was meant. To, you know it's like you know those are some things you can't you can't necessarily teach is almost i don't I, mean, I don't know how how you even develop it it's just no, like i think those things are practice though man. you know over time when you keep yeah. freestyling and rapping you get better and better and better now can you take a novice and be like i'm about to make him a great mc yeah probably but, but not. I'm, I'm saying you have people who play basketball who've done surgery who rap for years that can't go into the booth yeah and you know who can't be on the court and close their eyes and make every yeah, step you know what i'm sure. saying so it's like it's, it's something that sets them apart. It's like a muscle I memory. I agree. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember, like, in, I hear NBA players talk like they shoot the basketball so much. Yeah. Like, you know your spots. Like, the average nigga, like, if if an NBA player is playing, you know, let's say three three games in a week, he got shoot around, he's shooting in games, he practicing on his own. Like, he taking – 3,000 shots from this one spot every week. Yeah. Like, you and the 300 shots you put up in a month at Lifetime Fitness, like, yeah, you you can do something, but it's not the same level of Steph, muscle memory. Steph Curry posted a video of him and his son today, and he teaching him how to shoot. He was shooting uh, behind-the-back free throws, right? Mm -hmm. His son, the little one. Mm. And he was like, he was like, this is perfect, but do it, because he missed the first one. Like, that's perfect. You just got to do a little bit more strength. And he and it goes in. I'm like, when you start teaching, that age. I seen a video of like a nine year old mm -hmm. playing, you know, pickup ball. Or I guess it was on. That wasn't pickup ball, but like he looked like Kyrie Irving going up to mm -hmm. going to the rack, doing all the jump steps and everything. Like, yo, we wasn't doing that shit. Yeah, like, I think I think it's like you know, obviously, athletics have an intelligence. Like, 
like Howard Gardner. It's like a kinesthetic intelligence, like the ability to move in a certain way and this, that, and a third. But I think you can play so much that it becomes a spatial intelligence to the point where you can look on the floor and you can see where you are on the floor yeah. and know where the basket is yeah. because you've done it so many times. So him shooting them long shots and stuff like that, he's actually putting it in a point. He's not shooting at it's the math. basket. Yeah, it is. Technically, he's putting it in a place where he knows where that basket is because he's been around it his whole life. Yeah. You know. Does that happen with teaching for, for, for some of y'all? Absolutely. Yeah. I, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Like, I mean, like, even just working with the kids, like, it's just little certain things I didn't got so used to. It's like second nature to deal with it. Like, for example, I was just talking to Ferg about my kindergartners. I saw so many kindergartners today. And one thing I hear all the time, like when I'm working with kindergartners, why does it take for Mr. Siebert to come down before you guys start listening, et cetera, et cetera? Well, it's just certain things that I expect a four-year-old to act like. Mm -hmm. It's just certain things I expect. So if a kid is really rambunctious or just real jittery, whatever the case may be, sometimes if you just give that kid something to play with in their hands, boom. Now they can focus. Little boy. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'll mm -hmm. I, I tell you something else when we talk about, because what a lot of what we're talking about is becomes instinctive, instinctive. Right. And Ferg, I know that you as a, a current high school admin can attest to this. Some things that leaders do instinctively is you can have 500 kids that go to your school and you probably don't know every single one of them. But if a kid who doesn't go to that school, you know, man, instantly. Instantly, it's just something about the way they don't fit in yeah, for sure. to the flow. Even if they try to yeah. a, a assimilate to and wear the same uniform, you just don't you don't so, you don't belong. We work together. Five hundred people that work in that call center. Immediately, you know somebody who don't belong. Yep. Like immediately, as <laughs> yep. Soon as they walk, they're like, "Who who let them who let them niggas in?" The like door? you know, like oh, you must be. And it's a different look from a stranger than a new hire. Yeah. It's just a different look, you know? Yeah, the other thing you pick Strangers up Strangers be eyes wide open, mouth open, <laughs> looking at all the shit. Yeah. The other thing I think you pick up on instinctively if it's something that's off, yeah. something is about to happen. Yes. And so yeah. how, how you respond to that or how you intercede is important because, you know. It's if, still that buzz before a fight. Yeah, mm -hmm. or the calm before the storm. You know, it's a little too quiet in here. Something up, man. You know, something yeah. is amiss. But, you know, and you can't always tip them off that you know, So, but you have to do something. So you have to, you know, how, however you, you know, intercept whatever is about to happen, you got to be pretty clever and pretty savvy about it. But those are just some things instinctively that after you've done this job year over year over year, you kind of get good at. It's kind of hard to explain it. It's kind of hard to. It's like just like said. another sense from what it sounds yep. like. And like, like you know, I'm, I'm sure some of us are parents. You know, when it's too quiet in the house, yep. like what the fuck the kids into? Yeah. Like they didn't, like they didn't turn something over. They ain't the like they into something because it's just what it's Saturday afternoon. It's three o'clock and I don't hear nothing. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah, I got to go upstairs. So I got start, a question. Start kicking doors open for y'all, right? So. Um, I know you in three years and you already picking up on certain things. Like when did, uh, when did y'all feel like, okay, I got it. I'm not scared. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that your first day is probably terrifying. Like I got like these kids looking for me, but like, when did you like, how long did it take you to like to settle in? Like, I think I got this. I mean, initially I think 
all teachers go through what's called a survival stage. Like mm-hmm. you get in and the teacher, the students are more aware of the informal rules of being a student than you are of the informal rules of being a teacher. Yeah. So they know how to run game. They know how to utilize their position as a child to be able to connect with you on an emotional level in some ways to be able to manipulate that relationship. I started with fifth grade um, way back in 2000, 2001. I had real at the time. What's that? How old were you? That's a good question. I was 23. Okay. And so I'm fresh out of college. You know what I'm saying? Not to say I had a life of privilege or whatever, but you in college, you kind of go to your job, you kick it, you might go to class, this, that, and the third. But when you in front of them kids, you the man, especially, you know, for us, you, you the man. And, th- and there's expectations of you and there's obligations that you have and stuff like that. So you can't have step. So. Yeah, those first couple years and then you move towards like a task level where you're able to now you kind of get management a little bit better. You're able to center your growth in very specific areas of your practice and then you can develop. A, you can become a master. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you know, and I think you develop a style, you know, cause yeah. you, you can you can teach. But then it's like everybody got a different style of how they how they do it, you know, and um you know, after that first year, like I said, survival, you know, you just really trying to figure out, you know, what your style is, what sets you apart, you know. And if you if you did if you did student teaching, you had a very strong student teacher, you're gonna try to have that style of yeah. whoever you was under, learning how to teach. You know, uh, I was under a very strong um student teacher. I mean, a teacher when I was doing student teaching. And so I I, I was trying to kind of be like him. I you know, yeah. when I first started, I was like, you know, that's not you know, I can take from what he did, but, you know, I got to have my own my own thing. And so that's the other thing. And then once you know, I spent 15 years in the classroom. And so, you know, you start getting like a teacher's mind. And so everything you experience, you thinking like, yo, how can I use this in the classroom? <laughs> you know, uh, how can I how can this benefit my students? And so you start getting that type of mind. And then, you know, lesson planning is important. But honestly, like to me. It's like going to the booth without writing. It's like you got a freestyle. A lot, yeah, a lot of times it's not. It's not like you freestyle. It's like you you did it so much. Got outline. You know? Yeah, you know, like you know, I outline this in my head. Like I'm about to go in. I want to teach this. I already changed it in my mind because I know first hour that didn't work. So second hour, I can't go back to my lesson plan. Let me write this down. It's like I'm about to switch it. You know, and you already switched it in your mind to have a you know. You audible. Time, <laughs> you pay yeah, many, yeah. Like, yeah. Nah. By the time you get the last hour, you didn't switch, but you did like three different times now you got a whole different lesson yeah. than what you started with and so all that is done like on the fly in your mind you know what I'm saying so you know that's that's like the the sk- like level 10 skills yeah. when you when you you know as a teacher so. and adding to that it's like you know you know your uh, audience yeah. you know what I'm saying now you know your audience you're able to make it a little bit personable and relevant to each per- participant in the audience yeah. so now you, you you took it up a notch right and I think that's key as well as uh, evolution as a teacher, you know, because once again, when you start off, you like you might be mad nervous, you know, yeah. but you go in, you get to know the audience, you build your relationships right. and then you're able to personalize that lesson, uh, which tries to drag them into uh, becoming a better student, whatever the case. One of the most important aspects is, as Quan mentioned, being yourself, you got to be authentic. Mm. Because kids, at no matter what age level, whether it's elementary, middle school, or high school, they see right through if you're not authentic. You know, you're not fooling them. In fact, they may even play along with you 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. like Rob pointed out, they they when you first come into this profession or and really be honest with you, when you first come into any new school or any new district. And this is for all of us. If we were to go to a new school or a new district, there's a culture that already exists. And no matter how much you've researched that school or that district, if you haven't worked there, if you haven't been immersed in it, then they are more familiar with that culture than you are. They set that culture. Yeah. So when you come in, you know, a lot of us will have a tendency to try to establish ourselves. And sometimes the way we may go about doing it is not the best way. You got to build those relationships. You got to have that rapport with the students. That's going to get you a lot further than anything contextual that's going to get you a lot further than anything for the than the subject that you actually teach yeah. right so if you're an english teacher knowing how to teach english is one thing but knowing how to build relationships and rapport with the students that is going to get you a lot further than knowing english and knowing how to teach it a uh, question like so outside of um being a leader in schools have y'all worked at any other job that y'all was management or leadership in yeah i was uh a manager at the Star Movie Theater. Uh, this was my college job for five, like five years, and so I, and I was at two different locations. And I, I had a leadership role when I worked at Kids Foot Locker as well. Uh, I didn't really have a t- the title, but I did have a leadership role just for how long I'd been there, and how much experience I had I earned. But I was still pretty young, so assistant manager and all of that didn't really materialize. But had a couple jobs where leadership roles. I'm asked that because it's, it's 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 really funny that um pretty much everything that y'all are saying because uh, y'all are people leaders whatever the whatever the title whatever and it's such a similar experience when you dealing with once you know how to lead people you can lead people anywhere right. so whether it's you you can go to insert Chrysler plant and run that team mm-hmm. you can go to call center you can go to sales like you can run that team once you know the people and it's just so funny how. Everything that y'all said, it closely. I'm I'm pretty sure it matches up with what when, you do. When I started my new job, like I wanted to establish myself one way, and that just wasn't the culture there. <laughs> and like niggas was like complaining about me openly and often. So like I had to like change my whole approach. Like I I can't be Thanos in this motherfucker. I gotta yeah. I gotta like yeah. ease my way into this shit. Yeah, yeah. and even just getting comfortable because you like that. Like y'all right, now. Like my first leadership position, I might have been like twenty four or twenty five, right? And I got a team of people that report to me, and one of my employees was like sixty seven years old, mm-hmm. and that was a really different type of relationship. Because like, listen, you older, you by my grandma age, mm-hmm. or, or at the time, whatever. And it's um, like, what am I, <laughs> what I'm supposed to do to you? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or in a or. I got people on my team who were leaders of their family. Mm-hmm. Like you are the sole breadwinner and this and like how do how do I how am I supposed to And you tell write their ass up for attendance. You got a child older than me. Like how do I tell you what to do? So it was a, a moment like, all right, what do you do? Let me just let me survive at first. And then yeah. to your point or somebody point and you start doing tasks and then you just and I had a mentor and like how he did things it worked for him i'm gonna do what he do because <laughs> we, we do mock we yeah. mock each other and i think one thing that college preparation programs get wrong is they don't really engage in leadership development before they engage in teacher development yeah. because you got to be a great leader to be a great teacher in my opinion mm-hmm. you have to be you got to be knowledgeable about people you got to be knowledge you got to look at what people what motivates kids to do things as opposed to what they do 
um, and honor that in a way that addresses it um, and fulfills that need. Because kids come in class and they need freedom, they need relationships, they need power. Yeah. So it's, it's some kind of balance of that. So, yeah, you definitely got to be a leader. Um, one of the things that we talk about frequently is the fact that, you know, we believe that every teacher is technically an MC. Mm-hmm. When you think about You're it. You're the master of ceremony. Yeah, every great teacher <laughs> is an MC because they share similar qualities. There's the authenticity that's involved. There's a, and, and when you uh, affer- when you begin and as a rapper, you know, and you with an audience, the audience comes to the table with expectations of what your role is. And until you understand those expectations and kind of transcend them, you're going to struggle as a teacher. Yeah. And so, you know, you got the authenticity, you got the creativity that's needed. You got the confidence, the swagger that got to be there. I mean, imagine you coming, this brother is work. You know what I'm saying? You going to approach him and deal with him. Mike got on way. white shoes. And right. Teach Absolutely. a kindergarten. Teach a kindergarten with white shoes. So, and note the date. After Labor Day. Bro. This is after Labor Day. That don't, that's not a rule no more. Yes, but, it is. But, yeah. but you know, but, and, and even being able to pivot, like I was, um, yep. they, just, they just performed. And I asked him while we was riding up. Um, I said, um. I said, what do you do if the sound system doesn't sound right? right. You know. Speak louder. <laughs> well, uh, I, I said, well, they gave me a couple of things. They said, well, yeah, you just ride it out into it. I said, well, but if it's, the sound is nasty, dog, you going to ride it out over it, you know. And I said, you remember what I told you all to do? Acapella. Yeah, I said, if, it, if it's yep. white, the sound system white, acapella, yep. dog. <laughs> like, that's the, that's you. they'll hear you. You engage, you know, and then you, you know, you out and you don't have to fall victim to a, yeah. yo, 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 yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, cue up some of the, the work that we're doing, though. We could do that. We, we don't need the beat to do that. We could do that on the table because you know what? Another thing about being an MC and a teacher, you got to stay ready. Yeah, you got to be I able to manipulate things. He does. Talk about yeah, yeah. Talk, talk hey, about hey, you we can do I'm in demand right here with the with the. I beat on the beat on the counter. We can do that. But but the other thing is that over the pandemic, a lot of you know the transferable skills of being a teacher. Like a lot of teachers went into other professions, and they were matter of fact. Yeah, you had a lot of um, companies that were looking for teachers. Like, look, you know, there's some skills that you have that we can utilize. In our on our team, you know, yeah. a lot of teachers got very lucrative jobs um, just because they had that experience as being a teacher. Do you all still like feel you teach for the love of these children? Like you, like that's the driving force behind it. That's the root, man. So, you got to keep that root. If if, if right. not, then you you're doing this for the wrong reason. So yeah, I mean that's part of the, the root of the tree, man. You got to keep that mm-hmm. grounded. That keeps you grounded. You know, that keeps you motivated. I feel like you won't last if you're not doing it for the love, for real. Because yeah. it's just not really the profession that you can do if you're not doing it for the love. Like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You'll fall, you'll fall out real quick. Like, you'll burn out, mess around, crash out or something. So A lot of people do. I think it used to be four, it used to be like four years before people um, left the profession. Yeah. And those who are going to leave, I think it's down to two. Yeah. Two years now. But, I mean, we've seen people... Like six months in, they like yo for the school year in, they out, you know. Yeah. So and we we school break like <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> we fucking coming come back. back. <laughs> we've all we've all spent time in the classroom, but now we've kind of transcended the classroom, and now we're all in leadership roles where mm-hmm. we're training and supporting teachers. Yeah. And a lot of what we deal with, I don't know if I can speak for everybody, but a lot of what makes it challenging is you have to be able to come to that table and be that person. 
you know, and and grounded in compassion and love. Because if you don't have that, yeah, you're going to be skating up quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it is challenging being able to direct and support kids on a daily basis. It's just that's just the way it is. You know what I'm saying? So um, <laughs> that's how thing Rod said it. Teachers are your re- I mean, um, kids are your relatives, man. You yeah, know. they become. Yeah. They become your relatives. And you like, hate them sometimes. Not yeah, hate them, but yeah. no, nah, you hate them sometimes. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you disagree with them sometimes and you know, but but y'all you go it's a relationship. Man, you know what I, I noticed uh I don't know, probably about ten years ago, um, is we think that children in schools act a certain way because they're children and in schools. In real life, this is how people act while they in groups. Cause mm-hmm. like when we That's was a, in this giant point. call center, like when you go into the lunchroom, it was clicks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People sit here, people do this. There's always going to be this cops and robbers type of thing. Yeah. I'm going to figure out a way to scam the system. You mm-hmm. roll something out. All right, let me figure out how to, how to, and it's going to be the person who going to come, Hey, in the real life, they the one causing all the mischief. It's like, mm-hmm. I used to think like, yo, y'all acting childish. No, this is how people act in, in groups. groups. Yeah. yeah. And this is like some, some social behavior type thing and i'm like oh man there's a mean person there's a mm-hmm. like the the same exact dynamic i'm like it took me a minute. i'm like yo this why y'all acting so childish and it's like oh this is how because year after year and different new employees new employees or new locations it's like oh y'all this is how people act in groups even in the prison system or whatever like it's the exact same thing but in most times you're not with 30 other people in a lunchroom unless you're in school. You find your tribe. Yeah. That's all it be. Yeah. Niggas like, find niggas find like-minded people like, oh, they cool. They look like they look like they smoke. When don't nobody know each other. <laughs> and you got like You know what I'm saying? Smokers yeah, find each yeah. other. You know the niggas that listen to ra- listen to the type of rap you listen to. If it's You know them. They, you got, that, they a, got that look in them. Walk into a lunchroom and it's 80% you that white, killer Mike? 20% black. <laughs> The black folks gonna get together. The white folks gonna like it's just not even on some race. It's like yo, you just find your tribe. Yeah, group. Like, but you, but you know, I think that's something. Um, so you talk about peer pressure, and then you got positive peer pressure as well. We don't, we don't. I think we don't call, cultivate that enough, where mm. students are allowed to, you know, experience positive things together. You know, um, I grew up in a time in Detroit where I used to go to North Northwest Activity Center a lot. There was a group called Project Adapt, and the lady who ran that, uh, Miss Rush. That was her whole thing, you know, moving us from, she used to say, being from being ghetto to global. And so they did a bunch of stuff where we was going out of town. They was paying us to go out of town. They was, you We know, might have found the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. They, they would uh, give us these different cultural experiences. And I remember being like, you know, in the, in the uh, 90s, uh, came of age in the 90s. And so being steeped in hip hop, a lot of sampling going on. And so they, you know, anytime we went somewhere, they intentionally played jazz, right, when we was driving. Mm-hmm. And I remember going nuts, like, yo, that's just, I heard that on such and such sampling. And, you know, we started putting that, putting those pieces together and that, you know, really brought in our horizons because when we go off that bus, we was like, let's go and find yeah. some jazz music, you know, to see where these the samples coming from. Then, you know, my boy who's making beats, like, yeah, yeah, let me see, you know, what I can sample. And so I think, you know, really, um, you know, having that. But the other thing is, man, the onset of social media has changed everything because now where you can have, you can tell when somebody was from Southfield or you can tell when somebody was from the east side or you can tell, you know, you can't still do, but... Social media has, has made everybody the same. the same. You know what I'm saying? I remember my first time really leaving Detroit. I went to Cincinnati. It was the black man think tank in Cincinnati. We went, we went to a party there. We was 15. 
went to a party at the University of Cincinnati. It was nothing like I've seen in Detroit because at that time in '95, Detroit, the parties was jet music, uh, freak freak dancing music. Yeah, there it was like you know, you know, it's like you can do this. Like people just doing this all day long. I was like, yo, this, <laughs> what is this? But it was because every everybody had a every car, every place had a chance to cultural you know, part, yeah, they yeah. cultural differences. Now everything is the same. So <laughs> that's the. That's the gift and the curse of the internet. Yeah. And I don't yeah. even know if it's good or bad. It's just it's is bad. what it is. I just think about the excitement of of like listening to new music. Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? Like when there was somebody, you, you may have only saw a video on Yo MTV Raps or MTV Jams or some shit like that in one single. And that's it. You yeah. want you want to learn more about this artist. Like some niggas was it's like steep. Yeah, there was a mystique to it. Yeah. You know, there was a certain feeling that you, I mean, I'm old, but like opening up a fucking CD and like experiencing the album, yeah. there was there was something to it. You didn't see you didn't see your favorite rapper every day. If I could have saw Ice Cube every single day, Got I, pro- <laughs> I probably would have felt differently about the music, but I digested the albums yeah. and by the time I was starting to get I'm not even tired of it, but full it was two years later, and it's another Ice Cube album. And it's so interesting because, like, depending on whatever music you grew up on, like, I think we all by default grew up on New York music because yeah. all the rap magazines were in New York City, right? Yeah. So the Source and the, the, mm-hmm. all, all them joints was in the New York in New York. So we grew up. They had the mantle during the nineties. They they had the mantle, you know, and the mantle has passed to different they, spots. They had it, but like. Yeah. There was a, it's like if if the source was in Detroit, Big Hurt would be one of the greatest rappers of all time. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was Biggie, right? And like it's a hometown cooking, right? Yeah. But 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 like we grew up knowing what streets Nas was from and right. Queens, all this other stuff, right? We so, looked at it like a fairy tale almost. Yeah, but like yeah. we looked at another culture, and then some of us we they we took it. Yeah. Like after. Above the rim came out. How many niggas sliced their fucking tongue mm. doing the Tupac thing with the razor blade on their mouth? Like when you seen something different, people went and got it. Yeah, niggas rocking Lokes all of a sudden after all the the gangster movies come out. Now we got Bloods and Crips and shit. Like man, we wasn't in Detroit. We yeah, we wasn't. We didn't have that. that. But yeah. as soon as that culture came, we did everything. So we'll run to the aisle. We'll go to the to the record stores and everything. And I'd sit there and read the magazine. I'm want to read about the five mic artists or the, the fresh new dude. Like, so it was a slower information gap, but we wanted that shit the same way. We did. But I, I think you, at that time, I think you think about how, you know, what kind of uh, things were we seeing, you know, I, because just as that was very, um, that, that, that impacted people's viewpoints and people tried stuff that they saw. I mean, there was also, you know, when Different World was out, you because. had people wearing the HBCU sweatsuits yeah. and really wanting that lifestyle, school days mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So because we didn't see it's all about what emphasis is placed on is what we gravitate to. And then as people, we kind of gravitate naturally towards controversy. So you take that and you take a, a limited amount of things that you can actually see people doing and you start acting that way, period, point blank. So. But you you make a good point with the social media. We see so much of the same. If I got to hear about this girl and his baby or this woman getting hit with this brick, like I'm not saying that I'm not 
empathetic or sympathetic to them things, but like I feel like you see it for the week or all day. Like I've seen it twice, and that's that's good enough for me. But I, I think it, I'm sorry, but I think it it kind of places us in a strange position too as teachers and educators because we kind of provide in some ways we provide the moral foundation for society at this point. You know, churches are falling short. You know, churches are populations are shrinking. You know, public officials are being scandalized, so on and so forth. So, you know, our opinion, we have to guard our opinions about that kind of thing because it's going to polarize somebody. Mm. Just like that brick situation. If I was thinking the other day about what I thought about that, I mean, and I, I, I believe that nobody deserves to be for somebody to be violent towards them, you know, but you have to be careful also about narratives that you put out there um, because people tend to act on them. And none of us also know the whole story. And I kind of wanted to put that on Facebook to kind of be my position to say, this is how I feel about this. But I didn't because I didn't want to polarize. You got to get a page. Anybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> say, you know, say behind a paywall. <laughs> right. right. Here you go. Here you go. Oh, man, it is. It is. I, I got to be a difficult position. You know what I'm saying? Especially in social media, because y'all are children and the or kids in the classroom. If they look up to you, they want to know everything about you. Let me find Kente on social, man. See what you're doing. Yo, I can speak on that personally. I remember. I've just checked my Instagram one day and I'm wondering why do I have like 40 new people looking at my story and I'm just scrolling through the viewers and I'm like, Oh, these are the kids. Huh? Next thing I know the next day in school day. So I heard your music. I heard your music. I've heard your music. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. (laughs) And that just kind of threw me for a loop. Like, hold on. There's people at work who's still looking for my podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like I don't do a podcast I'm sorry <laughs> But once one person Find out Now they, they want to listen They, they want to find out Who you are yeah. Outside of work I'm like I'm sorry but, I don't have but one <laughs> But you know I think that Most of us Are Gen X With Older With some uh, Older millennials Geriatric millennials And I'm a millennial He's right. younger. He's younger. That's millennial. Young. He's young. Yeah, he's young millennial. Yeah, he, yeah. I'm. I'm on the edge. Yeah, yeah you geriatric millennial. Yeah. He's young yeah. millennial. But um, I think um, most of our students are Gen Z. Yeah, and so all they know, like we 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 remember, like 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 stuff like Chat GPT is so cool for us. Cause like, yo, we remember how how much it took to write a paper and, and do all this stuff and. He said, "Now you know, so we can appreciate. Yeah, you can appreciate. Good question. Hey, these kids don't even know how to the, the motherfucking Dewey Decimal System. None to of that. Find, Dewey to find a motherfucking book. Look, he asked me the other day, how does a beeper work? How did the beeper work? And I was yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I said, yeah. Well, you know, and you explain it how I, when I was explaining, I was like, dang, dog. Like, no, when you try when you try to explain it, it it's, it's a text archaic. message with no display. Yeah, but then I was like, I said, you know, what's the what's the word like?" I was like, y'all don't even know, like, you know, the, I used to hear kids talk about like 304, 304. Like, that's 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 <laughs> beeper language. Yeah, like, yeah, never yeah. Use that. I thought it yeah, came cool. from calculators. Nah. Well, that's we, that's yeah, like, but it came from the beepers because you would, yeah. if you, I think the, I think the full thing was like one five five three seven. 
304, and when they looked at it, it would be like one less. Oh, you see, <laughs> like, you see 8008, like I sent some boobs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. you're just trying to. <laughs> 8008. Dog, I was. 8008.5. So my daughter found like my flip phone, and she was like, How did you text with this? Yeah. yeah. I was like, You got to press the bitch three times <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get to the C. <laughs> Don't miss it, because you'll be. Yeah. Or, or try to explain to. A young person how to burn music on a CD. Yeah. What that was that was that all about? You know, that's first is about first is about giving your computer something that's gonna crash. You. Yeah, because <laughs> you definitely downloaded something. That's right. Shout out to LimeWire. Yeah. Now LimeWire <laughs> was <laughs> fucking up your LimeWire, iMesh, Kazaa, yeah, Kazaa, BearShare. But I mean, with, with all that, like just just think how much changed within that short period of time. Yeah. Like, even right. from 10 years ago until now, like, you know, and we have our Gen Z students, that, that's all they know. They don't know, they don't even know a phone that has buttons. It's all touch, you know, touch screen. You see the TikToks and shit about, like, there'd be a rotary phone in the house and they'd be like, try and call out on it. And the kids just, like, don't know, yeah. like, who, what part do you pick up? Mm-hmm. Or, or are they... House phones you, in general. Or if you tell a kid, um, act like you about to make, use your phone, Hand to act like you make a call, you making a call, and so most of us we'll be like, "Yo, what's up?" They, they are they like. I never thought about that. One. That's that right. would be funny as hell. Quietly look at, <laughs> look at it first. So that's hilarious. So I mean, I think when we when we really acknowledge that, like, yo, there's there's so much, they're, they're so different than us, and like we really have to sit. And study them because we can't say that we, we relate because there's really nothing about them that we can relate to because we're still, honestly, we're still navigating technology by thinking about pre-2005 and then post-2005 because we, we remember both, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, I love the age. I mean, I love where I was born because... We got best, best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. Yeah. And, like, I'm fully immersed in the tech, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... But I also like, yo, we did both though. Like, yeah, both. we had the game systems and all that, but like, we went outside first. Because the game system came, wasn't sweet enough. You know, to, what I'm you know true that. It, like, because you, like, you would rather play real football than play Techno Bowl. I'm, 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 I'm like, Techno Bowl may be before y'all. No, no, no. no, no okay. yeah, I played Techno Bowl. I, te- I played okay, Techno Bowl. Yeah, Techno Bowl. Like, I was, was playing cool, today if I had a Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was better to go outside and really play it. But now, the, <laughs> Bo Jackson was unstoppable. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the joints, <laughs> for sure. The joints are so, um, you know, real life. Like, you can yeah. sit and you can play and you can talk to your, your people. You can build this and you can play, play with music. people across no. the world. It's like, no, I, got, I, well, I, I go often talk. <laughs> my nephew is like in 12th grade and he'd be meeting girls from all over just using yeah. Facebook and Instagram. I was like, nigga, we went to where the girls were at nah. and we talked to them in real life. Nah. Like, in the flesh. You can't catfish you me in the... the bus, in, man. Nigga, what? Yeah. You, you can't catfish me in the food court. I'm looking at you. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we met girls all... Like, that would be my Saturday. Look, Go to Fairlane, eat, walk around, window shop, buy a hat, buy a CD, and talk to girls all day. If that, somebody told yeah. you they, like, in the late 90s or in the early 2000s, they found somebody to date over the computer, you, they would get clowned. Oh, you would get clowned for that. Right, right, right. <laughs> what type of weirdo is yeah, you? Yeah, you in a chat room with the, with the <laughs> that dynamic. You internet dating? Yeah, that, that uh, dynamic is strange to see on a college campus. Whereas they have to work really actively to get people in the same room, in the same space, because everybody's lives exist here, you know. So that's it's like they have a whole department based around that, based around creating activities and events that's getting people in the same room. And it didn't used to be a problem. 
man, before we get into your program, man, one other question because you mentioned ChatGPT. Um, I use it often. Yeah. Um, at work, um, for different, like I know how to use it, right? Yeah. How how do y'all handle that in school? Are children using it or like? How are y'all handling it or preparing to handle it? So for me, um, what I've shared with my students at the college level is the work that we do is going to be about you. Now, there's going to be information that you're going to have to gather, facts, this, that, and the third, but it's going to be about you and your experience because I can't give you something that just flat out just asks you a question and get gives you an opportunity to just gather factual information. That's the easy part. The hard part is here's the factual information and here's how it intertwines with my own experience. Now they could conceivably make that up, but at the end of the day, it has to, again, that whole individualization piece. I try to individualize the things that we do. So it's relevant to them as opposed to them just being able to punch it in. I, I did an activity. It's ironic. You bring that up. On Tuesday with our kids, um, where we was talking about Chat GPT, and I told I, I typed in write a rap about Taco Tuesday in the style of Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. and they had the ad libs, yep, yep. they had everything, chorus, right, right, Bridge. right. So I just try to stay away from that, just on the whole. Well, well, I'm gonna tell you, um, I work at a um, local university as well, and uh, we received uh, correspondence from administration, and they said, listen. Um, you if you want to ban using uh, generative generative AI in the classroom, you can do that, but we can't inf- enforce that. You know, they said there's there's nothing, there's no product on the market that can detect it. Like even if you see them yeah. doing this, like they we can't we can't call them the task for that. So they said the best bet that we would inform you to do is to figure out how to collaborate with AI. And I you think and I, that is how, <clears throat> so the chat GPT is a language model. Mm-hmm. Like it's good with words. Some folks are using it as if it's Google yeah. and they're saying, do this or yeah, what's yeah. the answer to that. And not like, that's not, that's not what it's like mm-hmm. for, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well, that's not where it, it's strong suit is at. Yeah. But like, if, you have a hard time writing yeah. um, and say, listen, you can because you talk to it like it's a person like, hey, um, I went on a trip. Um, I experienced joy when we went into this thing here. Basically, you're like, no, I'm writing a paper you're teaching it. and I want to to express these four major points. These are the things that I did. These are the things I felt. Can you make this sound professional? And then it's going to give you something. Yeah. And or like. I told y'all like before, like one of my favorite teachers was Dr. Roberts, my English teacher. He taught me how to write. So then when I went to WC3, um, <laughs> we had a paper due every Monday and every yeah. Thursday. And I will write it three o'clock in the morning, Sunday night. or You know what I'm saying? And then she was like, I can tell Jason takes his time and does this and this. I'm thinking like, I just finished that shit before I got here. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? But based off a of certain... so. If you can write a little bit yeah. and you write it out, mm-hmm. um, I use it at work when I'm sending emails to certain groups or certain people. I'll write my regular email out and then drop it in there like, yo, just make this make this sound more professional. I'm sending this to Edit such and such. clarity. And it does it's, it. It's fewer, somebody, fewer errors, you know? somebody sent the email with a whole bunch of long psycho babble. I copy and paste it like, can you give me a shorter version of this? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, 
this is what they're really saying. And it just be to pull out all the major bullet points. Yeah. So like if you want you we gotta use it, they should be using it as a tool yeah. versus yo, write me a paper about the American war. Yeah. That that's not well, well I think the the other side of it is that it's, it's gonna get better, you yeah. know, and it's and it's it's gonna be here for a minute. It's gonna be it's here to stay, it's gonna change. You know, it's already like you think about let's say five years ago, we was pressing kids going to coding, 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 coding. Now it code for you. It now it codes for you. Like there's people like I mean, I have a friend that's a counselor and he was like he had gotten he had got a um, a call or a message, dude was ready to kill himself, right? And the reason why is because his job is getting phased out. He's he, he codes. You know what I'm saying? His job is getting phased out, a lucrative job, because now, you know, you can have one person that can do the job of the whole department because now they're using generative AI to code, you know. And so that and so now what do we tell kids? Like, uh you know, so I think to to say like, listen, you gotta collaborate. I mean, right now it's useful for a lot of people. You know, in the next couple of years it may it may take more more jobs. It may it may create a bunch more jobs. But it's, it's definitely like, taking jobs. Yeah, but I think it's taking jobs. But on the flip side, I think for some jobs, it's going to be like a like you said, a collaborative tool. You gotta, it's going to it's going to have you have to collaborate. For people with who it. code, it, it finishes code for some folks. Yeah. Some stuff would just be tedious. Like I don't want to do it. Hey, right? Yeah. It's just help find errors in your code. I know. I know. For me, we're we're trying to implement some of it yeah. in what I do, and. Not to necessarily take away, but like if somebody is talking to you about, I want to know when this, say you work at Spirit, somebody's mm -hmm. calling in, I want to book a flight to Las Vegas, leaving this day, I want to mm -hmm. come back to Detroit on this day. Instead of you like typing and pulling in that information, it's listening to it, it's generating it yeah. in front of you, and yeah. it's a more seamless experience. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting because... Any company you call or go to their website, they got this this little chat box that come up, and it's right. like a a, yeah. a whatnot. So instead of doing that, they'll just take all their rules, bylaws, and everything, drop it in ChatGPT 4.0, like the real version, not the one that we have, right? Yeah. And now it knows how everything works. So yeah. your whole rules, the code of conduct, and everything, all the policies and everything, it knows how it works and it understands language. So when you saying how come my bill went up for such and such? I have a copy of your bill. I know exactly why it went up, and I'll be able to tell you that in a very short, in a very <laughs> short way. So you take that, mix with the AI voice stuff that we have right oh, now. Man, it's crazy. Right. Um, so now, what well, the number three jobs in the country is call center worker, truck driver, and cashier. But call center worker is is a big thing. So if I have a brain that is smart and gets better. And now I got a voice that can talk. What do I need you for? Yeah. Or not only that, like uh, I'm, I'm also a counselor as well. There's something called therapy bots, right? Mm. And so that's scary. And the thing is, is that it's available 24 hours a day. Not like humans. It's trained in cognitive behavior therapy. Um, it's, it's not. You don't have a stigma because you don't have to be like, oh, somebody saw me going. You know, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. You have some issues. You talk to this chat bot now. Um, part of the therapeutic process is that you have to establish rapport with, you know, with your client, whatever. And so what they're finding, at least with kids, is that the kids, because they're so used to that, they are establishing rapport faster with the chat bots than they're doing with, with real humans. Yeah. 
and they're you, you know what I'm saying but it's the same thing with teaching like their, their human interaction is just different it's just different you know what I'm saying and they're teaching kids in Malawi and in parts of Africa they're using iPads with um, reading uh, uh, to be able to uh, teach reading to these students right and they're using AI to do it without teachers being there and it's working so let me let me ask y'all this so I'm gonna take it in a slightly different direction with the concern that many of us have about devices picking up on our algorithms or basically getting a beat on us as a person, right? With If we use ChatGPT or any of this other technology that we're discussing, is anyone concerned that it will get too much of a beat on us and I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what's next. Like it's already there, man. Yeah, it's You've been there. Been on Facebook since two thousand six. Is there? You've been yeah. on YouTube. Your internet interaction. There, there's an algorithm. There's a Kente algorithm. And yeah. So if you die today, I can say, hey, I can say, hey, respond. You know, respond. I can ask a question. Uh, who you know respond to? Who's the greatest between Jay Z and Nas and in three in three paragraphs in the style of Kente Rosser? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They have another, and they, right. they'd be like, and it'd be like I'm talking to my boy from you know, even yeah. though he, you know what I'm saying. Oh, so you know, yeah. there's a Kente who's better, album. Beastie Boys or De La Soul? First half. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a good one. Oh man, get out of here, bro. <laughs> so look. Right here on this phone right now, there's an option for personal voice, and you you create it, and it'll say, um, you read 150 phrases out loud, which may take about 15 minutes, and then it takes your voice. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. it's already here, and, and if this gonna be on, it's on iOS 17. Y'all will probably get that next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got it, everybody. Okay. Y'all probably get that next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, but. If if it's a, if the if there's a version that I can have on my cell phone and each person can have on their cell phone, then there's a version of it for you. Oh. So there's no way to there's no way to guard against it. Either no. either either succumb to this technology and use it to your benefit, or have it yeah. use you. Or it's not. It's no way your your, th- your digital thumbprint is out there. Yeah. It yeah. just it just. I remember. Like my dad, not when he was alive, not wanting to fill out some information because yeah, we yeah. had to do it on the computer. Yeah. And I'm like, dog, where do you think all this shit is stored anyway? Yeah. It's on somebody's computer. Yeah. And Good like, yo, it knows it knows what websites you like to visit. It knows yeah. what Google social knows you, nigga. My my inst- me and Jay joke about the shop talk Instagram. If you go to the for you page. It know it know what type of women I like, like, you know, <laughs> like it gives you it gives you what you want. Yeah. My wow. photography is my, my photography page. It don't show me nothing but cameras, yeah. cameras and art and crafts and shit like yeah. that. On my Jay Johnson page, it got gym shoes, it got guns, mm. it got music shit. Mm-hmm. On Shop Talk, it's a it's a Ass and titties, <laughs> uh, but a bunch of other stuff. But like, it know you. Like you right. been Google searching, yo. Yeah. Since Google yeah. been Google, you didn't right. have this. Right. Since we got rid of our Yahoo and AOLs, we didn't have a Gmail. Yeah. So it knows everybody who's all the every every time you signed up for it and gave somebody your email or gave a company your email. Every Google search. Yeah. It was one lady who basically. Google knew she was pregnant before she knew she was pregnant. Mm. Based upon her 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 Android phone at the time, her purchase history, what she was searching, 
how mm-hmm. the how fast she was purchasing uh, feminine products. Like you ain't you ain't purchasing no feminine yeah. products in two months. Mm-hmm. This 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 boom, and they start sending her ads wow. uh, <laughs> for prenatal stuff, right. and wow. before she knew she was pregnant. I don't I don't. I, I look at technology as being kind of like a necessary evil. Like we've continued to evolve with technology. I think hip hop is largely about like hip hop grew as a result of technology, technology yeah. and technology. You know, there are certain technologies that came about because of hip hop. But um, there's a part of me that's like, you know, we're going to figure out how to live with this just yeah. like everything else. Um, you know, the next but, but there's a there's also a, a darker side to it, you know, that kind of says, we're being taken further and further away. And then, you know, I look at the justice system and I look at how many cases we're starting to see where the solving or the resolution of those cases involve these type of Google searches and this, this blueprint, this kind of imprint that you make on the internet where they can pull all your purchase history, all your call history, all this, all that, you know, just instantly. Yeah. I mean, Google, every, Google know you a freak. Yeah, every, Google know. Yeah. I mean, when when all incognito tab, I mean, they, they, didn't, mean they didn't necessarily use AI, but when all when the young lady and was in Alabama went yeah. missing, yeah. and um, when they released like everything she did, it's like they had her Google searches. Yep. They had you know every everything. It's like wow, they So think about this, right? They knew she was lying. Yeah, that from jump. <laughs> yeah, they, you know. In order for your phone to ring. Like at any point in time, your phone signal has to be triangulated, right? Yeah. Literally, there is a breadcrumb from everywhere that you have ever been with your phone. Yeah. And there's a history. I'm literally like we can every, since you've had a cell phone. Yeah. And in order for your phone to ring, someone to call in and ring, it has to know where you're at at all the time. Yeah. So there is literally a breadcrumb from every single place you've ever taken your phone. Yeah. Inside of your home, outside of your home, out of state. And they can follow it back and know exactly where every single person has been for the last 25 years. Have you ever got a fraud alert like from your bank or whatever and you at home? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's different because how do they know? How would they know that this is not you making this transaction? It has to be uh, it has to be something different. Or like like you know, I go you know your to your Wi-Fi. I go to a different place every day, like for work. Right? Yeah. I'm not, you know, and so that GPS know your schedule. They know, like I, I, I pick up the phone, yeah. like yeah, it's like yo, it'll be. I didn't even say to yeah, fifty minutes to go to to yeah. go to where. Mm-hmm. I said, dang, they they got my whole schedule. Yeah. This round of time, you leave yeah. this location and drive yeah. to this yeah. location yeah. every Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is this, right? So you could go in there and and turn it off, right? You could turn that off, but like, is it off? No, Cause like I just touched it. Like, is it off? Yeah. Like, people, like, the, like those um, it won't disturb you. Those um, That's all. those Apple, those tags, yeah. Air tags, it only functions off of you know signals from other people's phones. Mm-hmm. So the reason why you can see where it is, is because it's feeding off of somebody got an iPhone. Somebody else got an iPhone. They can feed off of it and let you know exactly where it is, and you know. But at least want to say that. Somebody well, got an AirTag. Yeah, it was in your car, yeah. Well, but I'm saying... The, the I got way. one right here. Yeah. Did anybody let y'all know that there's an AirTag in here? Following you? Next no. to you? There's, one, there's no. one on my keys, and there's one on my wallet. Anybody was like, yo, you've you been next to an AirTag. No. Nah. But I think you got to move around. Well, if you was in the car, yeah, it, it'd yeah. do it. But I'm just saying, the reason why... Like, if he left his, um, his wallet somewhere, or if it was on... You know, it'll pick it up because... The, the iPhone is the highest selling phone. Everybody, almost everybody got an iPhone. Yeah. And so it, it feeds off the, 
Well, oh, you know, so recently th- they didn't. Some they people didn't, don't have them. They didn't got together with Google and made a partnership <laughs> where now they're ch- basically anybody who got a, a Bluetooth enabled phone, it will it will let you know where yeah. the damn it. Wow. Wow. They get together on some shit when they want yeah, to try. They want to, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come on, Rob. But, but Come every, on, Rob. But Put that every, thing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you swear it got a better camera yeah. than the iPhone. Yeah. But every, but every technology, <laughs> though, we lose, we give up something. Like, even when writing was invented, right? When you got papyrus and, you know, the minute you had to start, you had the ability to write stuff down, you lost something, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because we had to memorize everything before, you know, so the capacity to memorize things. I mean, you know, they talk about this all the time. Before we had be able to save numbers in our cell phone, we had to remember everybody's Got to remember. You know what I'm saying? You was, Only numbers I remember is the pre-2000. Yeah, that's a, yeah. after that, like, yeah. you know, you don't you don't really. But it's always something because, like, I seen a picture of a. Uh, a bunch of kids on a bus and everybody had their phone yeah. down. But then they showed a picture in black and white of everybody at a train station. Everybody was doing had a, newspaper. It was in a newspaper. Yeah. Like it's gonna be something. Like something to distract you. And, 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 and technology no is meant to free up time for us, but even when that time is freed up, like you use Chat GBT to do something that would take you hours to do, you'll fill that free time you got up with something else. With something else. You know what I'm saying? Like we we don't we don't like to be alone with our thoughts. And, and you know, and just sure. to you know, be silent or something. We we can't stand that, yeah. you know. So, so is technology making us smarter or dumber? I think it's a cycle, and it does both. I don't know if y'all heard that, like yo, good times create soft men, yeah, yeah, soft. Yeah. But like that's where it is. Like yeah. the the smarter this phone get, the less I gotta remember. Yep. And then when the power go out, don't nobody remember how to do nothing, and then we fucked up again, right. right? So if the power go out for an extended period of time, we not who remember how to do this this algebraic equation? Yeah. Um, where oh, we saved it, but we saved it on the computer because we stopped using paper. Like so now we don't even got the formula to go yeah. to read. You know what I'm saying? So right. shit, nigga, you thinking so big? I'm thinking like. Nigga, how do how do we kill and eat this food? Like, yeah. how do you get out of this building? Yeah, if the, if the locks is electronic. Yeah, how do you read a fucking map? Cause that. Oh yeah, MapQuest was. I mean, yeah. before we had, uh, before they, before we yep. had the print out the paper. Yeah, print out the paper. Or, map or if you going? I remember going on road trips as a I kid. I remember my dad yeah, pulling big, out yeah, the map. Yeah, look like and, my, and highlighting how yeah. he was going to get from Detroit yeah. to South Carolina yeah. on a map. Yeah. And you just trusted that shit. And I remember always thinking as a kid, like, yo, if the car break down on the side of the road, <laughs> what do we do? Because it was a time we would travel. With sure. no, we would take a 12-hour road trip, and it was not a phone. cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a thing. It wasn't even a thing. But you, know, you, you might call from a payphone and like, hey, we in Pennsylvania. See you in about seven hours. That's and- me how my parents would yeah, call back home. Be like, hey, we in such and such. You know what I'm saying? We be back yeah. on Thursday. That payphone, yeah. yeah. But in the same token, like I need, I need to get some brakes for my car, and I'm thinking I can go on YouTube and look up twenty, you know, the the year and model of my car, yeah, and see somebody put brakes on the, the car. Man, it's I crazy. To, I learned how to build guns on the internet. Yeah, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Right. Build rifles and shit. Like that's where I learned it from ten years ago. Right. But you know what I'm saying? I learned. I've been to uni- YouTube University for damn near everything. Absolutely. And they following you about that. They say, "Oh, this is one you gotta, you gotta, you gotta check on by you." Like, yeah, like this nigga building the AR is good. Build them and buy them. What is he preparing for? Build them and buy them and shit. But man, let's talk about 
in demand. Okay. And because I'm not sure what it is, and our, our listeners aren't sure what it is, so I want y'all to educate us. Educators. Uh, I am in demand. Started in 2019. Uh, I think. Uh, I think was the first one. I think we was at a conference. Yeah, said, yeah. Man, we, we was at uh, Professor Harvell's. Yeah, joint. Yeah, Henry Ford need, Community College. We need to do a, Shout out to from, Professor Harvell from Flint, by the way. Okay, Flintstone. And uh, but but anyway, um, I was I was at another conference and I was presenting on Frederick Douglass. So mm. Frederick Douglass is the only all male public school in the state of Michigan, and so I taught there for like almost ten years. And so uh, the year was uh, we created two thousand seventeen. We created something called the Frederick Douglass Promise. It was like you know Ferg was was there. He was part. Of, he was the part of the man of Douglass. And so we said, what would happen if we took a ninth grade? And um and we initiated this whole ninth because uh for ninth grade if you don't know if students drop out that's the year that they drop out ninth grade if mm. they um they they usually are the the um the most troublesome group you know they have issues they get the most suspensions the the worst grades things like that so it's like so we we tried to create something where it's like what would happen if we invited the community in especially men to pour into the lives of these uh these boys right have a year of initiation so. We, you know, we, we put a lot of uh, programs together, a lot of free programs, a lot of opportunities. We had a man come in every year to address these ninth graders. We had, they call it community time. And so yeah. um, a lot of good things happened out of that, a lot of volunteers. And, and um, so anyway, long story short, I was at a, a conference called Cosback, Cosback, Cosbach, and I forget what the acronym is, uh, but it was, it was a conference for uh, black uh about engaging black boys and so uh i talked about the frederick douglas promise and so as i'm talking you know i end i end ask for any questions and the young lady slips her hand up in the air she says that's all well and good but where are all these black men that you're talking about <laughs> you know and i sat back and i was like i didn't have an answer for it because i know personally i had you know, a network of black men that I could call on. But I said, I don't, I can't say, well, you can find them here, there, and whatever. So I was like, you know, we have to make a larger network of black men because I know personally when asked, when invited, black men do we show up. come in. Yeah, we show up. We we care about the next generation. Uh, we want to mentor, volunteer, and things like that. And so I said, man, we have to figure out a way to, um, invite men into this space. They don't have to come in as teachers, but there's 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 a lot of students at schools that would benefit from black men being in front of them as mentors, volunteers, whatever. And so, in uh, demand started because of that. We we um, we uh, we wanted to connect black men to opportunities to mentor, volunteer, and even become educators within Southeast Michigan, especially in Detroit. And so, some of the the tactics that we used, um, we um, uh, we used hip hop, you know, so a lot of us, uh, our MCs, a lot of teachers that I know, I know our MCs are had experience MCing back in the day. And so it was like, man, you know, one of the first things we did was create a music video, mm. which we all spit inviting men like, you know, this is what teaching looked like. You know, we wanted to make it look big. You know, uh, we had all the. We had our black t-shirts on. We had about, I don't know, it looked like it was about 100 men there, but it was that was the trick of the cameras, probably more like 40, I guess I'd say. But um, it got a lot of um, play on Facebook and social media. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people were inspired by it. And so 
at the end of the video, if you're interested, you know, we need more black men to do the mm. So we got a lot of people signed up. Like they they went in, they signed up. We had a nice list of men that were, that said, "Hey, they raised their hand and said, "Yo, we put out the bat signal and they said, "Yeah, we we uh we want to we want to participate. We want to volunteer, we want to mentor." And so from that list, we've been able to share that with schools with youth serving organizations and things like that so um as we went forward you know we just uh, wanted to provide more opportunities more um um videos um uh what else you would say um music um trainings things of that nature to really beef up that that pool of black black men and um COVID hit and so we kind of had to reel back a little bit. And so we kind of really back in. We've been behind the scenes, but we kind of back, you know, trying to really um, beat that drum and create creative ways to engage black men yeah. um, in that space. So uh, that's what In Demand is. I mean, if you guys want to add anything else, but that's what it is in a nutshell. Yeah, add, it's working. It's really drawn. It's really gravitating. You heard Rod mention a second ago, you really can't go anywhere in this profession where you are in a room, particularly of black male educators, and someone not know Quan, like or he that he hasn't connected with one one group or entity to another. So uh, his name, his reputation is real, real pristine uh, in this profession. And so what he's been able to do in bringing all of us together is really inspiring, and it also allows us to kind of bring up. Some some passions about rap and music that we've all had. You know, everybody that's a part of this, uh, the the team is a part of the the songs and a part of what we've been able to put together. And so, believe it or not, what I find surprising and inspiring is that a lot of my students like the music. And so, you would think that you know the generation that the age that we are, most of us. Mike Mike is still pretty young, but the age that but he's wise. So, you know, hit and the, and the lyrics that he's spitting is, is, you know, it's there. And so it's not like the music that today's youth listen to. But, you know, I have with my students just for the fun of it. Hey, would you believe I used to rap back in the day and I still do? Heck, you know, you know, I, I wear a suit to work every day. So they don't they don't they're not buying it. But when we play the music. They go and they tell others, and you know, kids coming back to me, man, I saw your video, man, that was nice. So, you know, it's it's kind of serving its purpose. So one of the things that we were looking to do with this project uh, that hasn't yet taken form fully, but inspire the age group that we teach to want to be teachers. Because mm. the pipeline is, is drawing up, it's dry. If you go mm -hmm. to any college of education, you know, you're not going to find a lot of diversity in the form of black men. And so someone, which it's we've we've kind of taken on that call, that challenge, has to actively work to sure up that pipeline, firm up that pipeline, because it's important. And a lot of people think it's just important that black male teachers are therefore black male students. But the impact is far, way more far reaching than just us being there to serve black male students or just black students, period. You know, our impact is important for all students, for the profession as a whole, and not just for the students, because we have to have an impact on the adults that we work with as well. Mm. Um, I do think there needs to be a better pipeline. I think the messaging got to be a little bit different for teachers in general. Yeah. Now, I know for sure, anywhere anybody works, everybody probably want a little bit more money because mm. that's just... 
because how it is. But how they talk about teachers is that like you won't be poor if you a teacher. Like y'all need to pay the teachers more. Two of my aunts graduate, well not graduate, retired from Detroit Public School for teachers. I mean, they live they, they live pretty nice lives. Yeah. Like I think it's gonna be hard to get a young black male to be a teacher if basically everybody keeps saying teachers don't make no money. And like I don't know that to be true. Should I get paid more? Yes. But I don't know it to be like, man, you're going to be living hand to mouth if you're a teacher. And like the teachers that I know, I mean, they families, they, yeah. they they do well for themselves. Like, so that narrative that like, yo, teachers just don't make no money at all. Mm. Like it, that, that got to change in order to get a young person who likes cars and this and that. And like that narrative got to change somewhere. Absolutely. But I was going to say, oh, go ahead. I can speak on that personally. Like, I walk in and fly every day in my school. But the kids see that and they look and be like, hold on, he can look like this and, and work in the school? Like, he can walk in and have jewelry and have this and have that? Yeah, absolutely. And they look at it a little differently. Now it's not so corny. Now it don't look like I'm going to be broke if I decide I want to be a teacher. Like, I literally can see it in their eyes, like, kind of like a paradigm shift almost in their head. Like, huh. Mm. Oh, I could do this and still be flying, still had it, still go here, still have yeah. fun, all that. So, yeah, and that has to be a social media piece. I mean, when we talked about social media, we make sure. I mean, we talked about how everything is the same, and what we got to understand too is we got to tell them that hey, everything comes with growth and development. You know, you got to take your steps, and as you grow and develop, you can accumulate, yeah. you know, levels of wealth. But, yeah, but you know, it's like if, if you. It's like when I see kids out here driving uh, Hellcats and they're 24 <laughs> and 25, I know that's not their Hellcat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm, it's like you've it was you've gotten, it was gotten that, done. Yeah, it was gotten yeah. done in, in some illegal fashion probably. Right. But, you know, it's like you, you haven't earned that. You know what I'm saying? So They don't want to do the work. There you go. They don't want to so do the work. We see anything, that in you, any you profession. They don't want to do the work. So, I want the most money with the least amount of work. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think I think another side of what we do um, is advocacy, you know, with decision makers who can, um, you know, put things in motion to be able to make that move. You know, we've had audience with the state yeah. superintendent, yeah. you know, to talk about, yeah, we can, you know, we we black men can't be the problem and the solution in, in schools like, yeah. you know, black men have the lowest test scores, this, that and the third. And we can't come in and do this landmark change. Unless it's in concert with a lot of other things, because you think about it when you're in high school, when you have a scholar that's in high school, somebody that's clearly heading to college, somebody that's clearly linguistically intelligent, good writers, this, that and the third. If they are going to college, yeah, they're going to look at job options that have the ability to be a little bit more lucrative than to start where we start. And, mm. you know, the same way there is quick advancement for people who reflect the things that we're talking about, people who are astute people who are intelligent, people who are committed, you know, the, the ability to grow very quickly is there. But yeah, it's a complex issue because socially, you know, it's not looked at as, you know, you're not an engineer, you're not this. And I think a lot of, a lot of it does come back to money, but in the same token, I think education is the quickest way or the easiest way or the most consistent way to make changes in communities mm -hmm. because, 
um, you know, when you're working at that school, you're you are touching change on a day to day basis. So one of the things that came up in my research is the majority. I studied black men, educators who make music. Some of the guys, you know, who are in this room was a part of it. And what I found was they each came to the table as teachers with experience working in after school programs, working in leadership while they were in high school, so on and so forth. So if you build those things in high school and in middle school where kids are actually running programming in charge of things growing in that way, then you got a better chance of getting them involved and saying, hey, you know, I did make a difference. I did teach those third yeah. graders this. I did do this and do that. So it's a lot of things that goes into it. And I think what Quan, you know, what Quan started and, you know, us all linking up is it's a multifaceted thing where we looking at, yeah, you know, we rhyme and we make songs and stuff like that, but we also doing professional development. Yeah. We also advocating, you know, at the state level and hopefully at the federal level to say this is something that has to happen to get not only more black men in teaching, but just grow education as a whole. Yeah. So but just even at the community level, like inviting, like I said, having that invite to invite black men into these spaces. Like I think about uh, you think about a, a coach, say a high school football coach. Right. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, I mean, would you say they put in more time? Then, then they get paid for. Absolutely, they put in a lot of time. They oftentimes coming from another job to going. You know, um, whether they win or lose, you know, they, they come back still coach and things like that. And it's and an emotional portion they put out because them kids. Yo, can you drive me home? Yeah, can you can and you they, help me out with my prime tucks and stuff? And they and they get and when they walk into the school, not only do they get respect from the the um, students that they coach. They get respect from all the students because they have an influence on the most influential students in the school, you know. And what keeps them coming back, though? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you can, you know, because you can say the same thing. Yo, coaches don't get paid. They don't. You know, high school football coaches don't get paid. Mm -hmm. They they come back because uh, they can see the impact that they're having. They um, they feel the the love and the the need from the students from the school and things like that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, they they're connected with the families, they connected with the community and things like that. And so that's really <laughs> that's the same thing with teachers, you know. And when you invite a man a man into that space, like with me, uh, Rob was talking about, I I became a teacher. I had no idea I wanted to be a teacher. You know, I started volunteering at a school, a middle school, when I was eighteen. I was a freshman in college. And I was volunteering. I was doing things. I was, you know, end up starting a uh, mentorship program at the school. And, um, you know, it wasn't until somebody said, hey, you ever thought about being a teacher? I was like, I, n I never thought about it, you know. And that's when I pursued it because I, I, was, I was invited to even to just think about being a, being a teacher as, a, as an 18-year-old. So, hmm. so where, where we are now, we got quite a bit of content. Um, we got at least, well, it's probably at least about five or six songs. I mean, we yeah. this nucleus here has just uh, finished recording the third song, uh, but then there's uh, at least, like I said, a total of five or six songs. Uh, there's some long-form videos. There's some discussions of us breaking down each of the MCs that are on the songs, breaking down each line by line, which is a really dope project in and of itself. And, you know, when, when that and if and when that's ever shown to educators – that right there should be like a tutorial or like a professional development because each of the verses that is on that song, each of the MCs break down line by line. And that's the song, the concept for that song when Quan hit us all up is, uh, what advice would you give to a younger teacher? 
So we all went into that bag of, okay, if I was talking to a younger teacher, someone new to the profession, and that's the perspective from which each verse was written, and each of the MCs on the song had a different perspective. So when you break that down line by line by line by line, whoever that's shown to, be it a black man, a white lady, whatever the 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 creed, the gender of the individual that's viewing that, it's something there for everybody. And mm-hmm. it should be inspiring. It should be uplifting. It should be educational. And so those are the things that when we are retired from this profession, when we move on to other things, those are the artifacts that will still exist. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we bring to this whole project or this whole profession. It's, some, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us as an individual. It's bigger than us as a group. You know, it's for the profession in and of itself. And I think Ross spoke to that earlier when he talked about, you know, the the practices of the universities. And that's the that's the missing component. You know what I'm saying? We teach in the universities, they teach all the theory, they teach all the 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 transferable skills of classroom management, but they don't teach us going into the classroom and actually being able to connect those dots to the T, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and us being us and being able to connect with the students and, and build the way that we build. And you know, uh when we talk about hip hop as well, that that's the is is like the written component of connecting the world. Who would have thought that hip hop is connecting the world? Yeah. I was about to mention that like man, this is my love hate relationship with my favorite genre of music. Yeah. Because of for all the destruction it has done in certain areas, like look what it is doing. Yeah. Like all of y'all connected and and sharing and helping the world through hip hop on this 50th year anniversary, yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, it plays its parts in in some destructive behavior. But like, look at it though. You but know you, what I'm saying? I think one thing that we do, not to get too deep into it, is though we try to really differentiate between hip hop as a product <laughs> versus hip hop as a practice. You know, like cipher, we talk about cipher pedagogy. You know, a teaching style that involves the same principles and the same concepts as a freestyle cipher. Yeah. That's a practice where everybody is bringing something to the table. Right. The People are being rewarded. Cipher. People are being able to be. You have to be. You have to learn how to deal with being criticized. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in the same token, it's a safe space, and we all growing together. But versus a product that's commodified, that people are kind of mimicking what they've seen be successful to put money in their pockets or they're, you know, portraying an image that they've seen, you know, be successful. So we kind of stay focused in the practice and let the practice kind of speak for it as opposed to just, oh, we got it, you know, because we all could have been making records. You know what I'm saying? And putting records out, you know that we all could have been making records. But the conflict was the narratives that we was all spinning individually was not matching up to what the market wanted. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we, we use those skills in terms of dealing and developing young people. And that way, you know what I'm saying? We, we speak their language. Through hip hop. Absolutely. Amazing. I mean, back, I mean, I, think, I love how it connects people though in that way. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter to, you know, from my, my first grader all up to my oldest, like that is, it's a connecting piece there. They can find common ground. And even if he doesn't understand what the song, the melody, the beat, the bounce to it, like he can enjoy it the same way his brother enjoyed it. Because music attached to an emotion, you know what I'm saying? And it attaches to 
um, a certain period in your life. Like some of the music that we think is the greatest music of all time is because we were going through adolescence or, yeah. or coming of age. And that was our soundtrack. And like, that's the best time in your life. And it's like, but it was really good music. It was, it was, yeah. it was incredible. Special, music. Man. I, don't, I don't know. It was a special time. Um, yeah. Like I, I love what I love. I can't yeah. imagine like the music that's 30 years old. Like I just saw a group of young men rock, to that shook ones beat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now that came out with 90, 94, 95, 94. Yeah. You know? And so, 94. so 30 years ago. So Dang. to say that <laughs> I can't, I don't, I don't know any other genre or time in history where you can say 30 years later. So I can imagine when we was in the nineties saying like, yo, some music from the sixties, we about to rock. Like, I'm, me listening to Marvin Gaye <laughs> yeah. pulling up today, yeah, listening to Marvin yeah, Gaye. It's yeah. like, this shit wasn't out when I was, you know, in 82. Yeah, I but you weren't was singing like Marvin Gaye, though. You no. weren't trying to, you weren't trying to like, you know what I'm saying? You weren't trying to dress like, you weren't trying to yeah, sing yeah. to his music and stuff like that. You, I mean, you can enjoy it, but to be like, yo, I'm about to rock to this. What's interesting, I follow on, on YouTube, now my algorithm is like, it'd be like 18, 19 year old kids who go back and listen to, yeah. oh shit, and for the first time, yeah. and they be like, yo, yeah. yo, this shit dope. Like, yeah. and then after a couple months or a year or so, I was following this dude for like two years. He like, yo, I think, they be going back and forth like I don't know who better is Biggie or Pac or is it Nas. I'm yeah. like that's so crazy because yeah. I know this music is good because you're listening to it. Yeah. An 18, 19 year old right now is listening to it for the first time and be like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I get it now. I get yeah. why people bring up yeah. such and such. Mm -hmm. uh, this one white dude and his dad. Yeah, his dad I've seen that. like yeah. I watch him all the time yeah. and they go through so much stuff and. And it's so wild seeing this old white dude like crying over dear mama. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, <laughs> like oh, man, yeah. and he listening to Rick Ross songs like oh that this he was listening to um uh Devil Was a Lie and he was and what Ross was doing he's like he kind of sounds like Jay Z a little bit and then he was laughing because Jay Z was on that vert I mean on the song with him he's like and then when he came he was like ah I knew it. like yo yeah. that's funny that you picked up on yeah, that yeah, yeah. the energy of that song I'm like yeah, man this is just it's crazy. Yeah. Hey, I know we talk about hip hop, you know, uh, the music as aspect of it a lot, but we gotta understand that it was also a cultural aspect. You know, you had the DJ and the yes. b boying, um, and and all of those things that are still playing an impact around the world. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times we get streamlined, focus on just the music, yeah. but the whole somebody cultural had the aspect of it, yeah. you know. Engages everybody, yeah. so I mean, I, I mean that's phenomenal within itself. Especially if you go around, I don't know. Like sometimes when I get on the internet, I look at different murals around the world yeah. that people are doing. I'm like, wow, like that's fucking dope. Even with the kids doing TikTok dances right now, like fam, people's outside in the street break dancing. That's the same. It's the same shit. We just didn't have TikTok. Right? Yeah. yeah, like they'd have been stanky. I mean, they'd, they'd have do everything. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like. Yeah, right. Niggas dance all the time in high school. Yeah. Like, it was jitting, though. <laughs> jitting, yeah. Niggas, jitting, jitting, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They got little jit crews. They go every against you. Like, niggas was dancing. Nobody pulled an ACL or broke an ankle or nothing, either. <laughs> you see that? Because every other day. he was working <laughs> out every day. You know what I'm saying? You, you was getting your steps in without having to count them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Nigga, you try to, try to touch a rim tonight. Yeah. Your back gonna be your back and your knees gonna hurt yeah, right. for three weeks. <laughs> but, but you know, it was funny. I, I was in Kenya last year, and um, I was in there for two weeks. And I was working at a, I was um, volunteering at a high school there, right? And um, oddly enough, to watch just how the reach of of hip hop, you know, first day was immersed in hip hop. Uh, favorite artist was Big Shine. Mm. 
you know, I was like, I said, wait a minute, who is the favorite artist here? And, hey, yeah, Big Sean, we like Big Sean. I was, like, I was talking to somebody yesterday because Big Sean is from Detroit. People in Detroit don't we have no appreciate. Yeah. They have no, we have no appreciation <laughs> yeah. because right. other than Eminem, he is the the biggest rapper ever to come out of Detroit. Yeah, like yeah. record right. sales. Concert though, like he is the right. biggest. And if you want to make an argument, he is the biggest rapper to ever come out of Detroit because people want to argue if Eminem is quote unquote from Detroit or not. He's literally the biggest artist to come out of the city. Absolutely. Yeah. And he went to Cass. No, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did? Yes, he did. Yeah, he I thought you said Eminem. Now, listen, man, if, if somebody wanted to add their name to the list, if uh, they want to. To join the others who are in demand, like how do they do that? Iamindemand.com. Yeah, you go there and uh, we have uh, the, the website just got revamped. So it's easier to browse and everything. And so you go there, there's a there's a place where you can uh, sign up and then there's other um, places that you can see if you want to um, if you want to um, support, you know, there's other opportunities as well. But to sign up on the general list, you just go to Iamindemand.com and sign up. Mm. The music oh. there too. Music is there as well, and, and all the videos we've done. We've done um, uh, videos, man, quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we we did lessons during the pandemic. It's a bunch of lessons that we did. Like cause everybody was at home, so we was like, let's do these at home lessons. And so re- real quick lessons that people could use. Uh, pod. We had the in demand podcast. Uh, bar exam podcast. Yeah. We, we had a we had a lot of we had a lot of good um, guests, man. Yeah, a lot of content. Yeah, a lot of no content. doubt. That's what's don't, up. No, no. So, so you said there were a couple songs in the tank. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's going to be an in-demand something that comes out first quarter, fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. That's what we that's what we're working towards. Yeah. And you you you, you want to set the set the bar for a date? You want to set the bar for the I would, quarter? I would at least give me the quarter. I would definitely say by second quarter. Yeah. Um, just because. Um, we were able to create some music as a result of this. This is what I studied for my mm-hmm. dissertation. So we actually did focus groups and semi-structured interviews with the individual parts um, of the group. And we talked through, you know, their experiences and things like that. But I also studied them actually making music. So it's almost like, you know, I always say like in Kill Bill where she say you got to wiggle your big toe first. Like once that kind of step is finished for me on a personal level, then, you know, I want to dedicate either, even further attention towards getting more and more songs. So, I mean, but we could turn them out. You know, we could turn it up pretty quickly yeah. and, and get a lot of things done. And we got a lot of help and we got a lot of support. Shouts out to, you know, everybody who've been working with us and rocking with us in Ipsy and Ann Arbor and Detroit mm-hmm. um, on, on a whole bunch of different planes. So, yeah, we definitely can get it done. And okay. then uh, also 2024, we're working on the uh, the, the training the uh, yes. Cypher Pedagogy, Teach Like an MC. So that'll be offered to uh, those who work with kids as teachers or as right. mentors or anything. Because there, there's some tenets to being an MC, that, to to being in a cypher that works well. Like you just said, mm-hmm. it works well when you're dealing with a crowd of kids. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Or if, you, um, or if you're a teacher, you know, there's, the, there's some things that uh, we can glean from that experience. I love that y'all yeah. can make that type of connection or help people make that type of connection with kids. You know, I, was, I just ran into, like, the first black male teacher I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I ended up seeing him on a Facebook post maybe about two or three months ago. And like everything that I thought I forgot 
as soon as I saw that man's face, yes. you know, it all snapped back. I remember he was a doctor of music. And I, at that age in my life, sixth, seventh grade, maybe, I had never heard of, like, how do you be a doctor of music? And he had studied, you know, he kind of dumbed it down, but he explained to us, like, you pick up one of them red hymnals in the church pew. He said, you can put any number, like, call out any hymnal number and I can play with my eyes closed. Like that's how indoctrined in I am in music. And the one thing that I remember about him is that we had books that had the songs inside. Like we had like textbooks to use for like music class. that had the songs in them, but like some of them were missing pages. And that man stood up in front of the class and he recited all three words, all three verses of lift every voice and sing. And mm. he made us write it by hand. That's right. Wow. Amen. Most people don't get past the first verse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Three Most verses. people don't even know the first verse. <laughs> you know, he he made he recited all three verses. We would sing it every time we every came day, to music class. Every day. My third, what was his teacher's name? My, Dr. Spence. My Spence. third grade teacher, Miss Lockhart, she made us remember that song. I I, I mean I remember because in third grade, how old are you how old are you in the third grade? Eight. Eight? Yeah, eight, nine. I will never forget her name or that song. Because she played it in our class and she made it. Well, I know I remember every word. I don't remember if we wrote it down per se, but I feel like I did. But like I, rem- I remember <laughs> that shit. And that was, she, yeah. She told us it was the Black National Anthem. And that's what I've known right. ever since I've been in the third grade. M- music decorates time. So, you know, uh, again, in a practice, like that practice itself, it framed it. And when you can look at that, when you hear that song, it reminds you of what you smelled at that time, what you saw, little intricate details, because that's just the nature of what music does. Like women in my life, I remember the times with them based upon, oh, I started dating her when um, Lupe first came out. That first came Faith out. came out. This was 2007. I re- like I did, points in history, I just know what was out. At that particular Doc, time. It's funny that you mentioned that. I think about Lil' Kim's first album. There's a young lady. <laughs> no, like, I was, I didn't have a car. But this girl that was, like, kind of trying to get at me, she had a car. Sometimes she would just come up to my job, and that's what she would always bang was that Lil' Kim album. And we just sit in the parking lot, like, eat Taco Bell, smoke weed, and she going to play that little Kim for my hour lunch break. Nigga, when I was in Cass, my girlfriend at the time, I met her at Cass, but we didn't get together until we both was in Cody. But her mama oh, she pulled... She kicked out, too. <laughs> she, left, she left before me. <laughs> uh, but her mama pulled up uh, bumping Biggie and little Kim. Uh, that's why... That's why uh, um, what, what do you do, do if you uh, 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 cut the nigga off? It. Like she pulled up in front of the school, bumping that uh, shit, and like that is a moment in time. Her mama was fast. Her mama was fast. Mama still cold. <laughs> <laughs> She's like sixty. She's still cold. Okay, uh, but yeah, man, music it definitely it stamps moments of time. Like oh, I remember when I I remember where I was at where I was this and and yeah man it's, it's it's just great so as far as your music pick you got something for us to play <laughs> nope i ain't listening to no music that really motivated me no, i mean week. y'all got something to play uh sure uh play the uh spark the flame oh we we, we get i just send it to you or yeah uh... it's on dsps <laughs> let me turn my uh well that i queued up it's on YouTube. Yeah, I'm about to go on YouTube. Yeah. Let me see. Yes. 
Um, YouTube, Spark the Flame. Yes, but I am in demand, Spark the Flame. Or, yeah. Right, I want you I to put. I sent it to you, Dan. Go to our text thread. Boom. Rod, right, I want you to put that Android down, brother. Because I just feel like you deserve better in your life. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I got my whole life. I got my whole life in here. I'm good. If not you, who? If not now, when? Somebody has to say, I have the knowledge and the love of community to help be a community builder. Rule number, rule number. Stay tuned in to student voice. Remember why you chose to teach like it's school of choice. Don't lose the point. Lose the and point. every student learns differently. Some need more support than others just to work through their sensory. This your team, not your regiment. Lead with benevolence. People are the measurement, so ego keep assessing it. Make every day count, no matter what the level is. Competence, confidence, consistency, they treasure it. Watch what you say trust for parents is delicate walk and speak the narrative students your relatives guard your tongue but the real never embellish it inject some joy into their lives and not their sedatives why would anyone want to be a teacher the highs and lows that grow future leaders they spark the flame ignite hidden genius they see themselves when when they see us why would anyone want to be a teacher the highs and lows that grow future leaders they spark the flame ignite hidden genius they see themselves when when they see us Try to do it all, take time to pause, breathe, recognize this many down for the call. No stars, just terrestrial, down to earth professional, community and parents, a trifecta of caring. You're not alone, some set in motion, some keep it going, some plant, some water, when the seeds are growing. No muck mode, no rambo, no dolo. All right, all right, all right, all right, you know what I'm saying? Sound like the, the teacher Wu Tang. <laughs> <laughs> about to say, man, if all y'all on the song, y'all deep. Yeah, yeah, and that's only half the joint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm gonna drop it in the, uh, our show though, so no doubt know, our folks can take a listen and shit. You know what I'm saying? And, and get involved. Yeah. And get involved. No doubt. For I think sure. in, in terms of getting involved, speaking of that, you know, just get involved in what's happening at your school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Above and beyond the occupational elements or whatever, oh, get involved in what's happening at your school if you can. I know time is tough, but. As much as possible. Look, my nigga. If even you can't if you, get involved at the school, get involved in the community, man. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Too. We just trying to make that, it bigger and better. I know as being just a father with kids in school, like, dog, there's so much you can learn just reading the newsletter and looking at the damn calendar. Like, you won't. Yeah. Like, that'll at least have you treading water to know what yeah. the fuck is going on. You can pull it up online. Like, everything that you class dojo like use the tools that they give you yeah and just keep up like as a father for me it's important to know like yo what are they taking what time they getting out what time you like i need to I, it's today a half day they they shutting school one got school all day two got school half days because of the weather like i just need to know those things yeah and like just just be involved just be if you got this is really my plea to men, especially with kids. Like you are the black male teacher. You're the first one. Get involved. Get in, let them kids know that you give a fuck, that you care. Like it's not too late. It's not too late. Get them calendars every month. 
<laughs> go to parent teacher conference, talk to other talk to other parents, go up to the school, surprise the fuck out of your kids. Cause like, yo, the child that you got at home ain't ain't that cool ass motherfucker that's walking through the hallway. You don't you don't know them. Like pull up on them, man. Like be involved with what the fuck your kids are doing. Just care. Let me say this too on, on the end of the game, because I deal with college application and admission, the money is there for kids to go to school free get a degree do this get a certificate whatever you choose for them to do i mean and even for you even for adults you know you got the michigan reconnect scholarship where you can go to wcc and they'll pay for you to get a certificate and a skill that i mean we've been it's funny we spent like 25 years telling kids you know you got to go into something involving technology but now all of a sudden you know i'm saying we're trying to get them to take jobs that are guaranteed to kind of transcend this whole ai movement you know what I'm saying? We need welders. We need HVAC plumbers. people. We need plumbers. You, you we need, need to be able to do something. All that. Somebody is willing to give all you that. money to do. If Exactly. Exactly. And so the money is there. I work with kids all the time and I, I see kids who work hard and I hate to say play the game, but they, they, they strategize their way through high school. They don't got to pay to go to college. They don't. And I mean, it, it, it's just no getting around that. So it is an end game to it. And it is valuable and it can it could change it could change the trajectory of your family line. My high school counselor told me between the ages of eighteen and twenty-two, even if I wasn't in school, I needed to be learning some type of skill yes. that I could make a living off of. I remember running into him like just in the streets, like maybe a year or two after I graduated high school and I was like working and going to community college. He's like, I'm telling you, if you don't get it now, you're going to start having kids, living life, and it's going to be hard to get back to it. And that always stuck with me. Like that's, that's your window to get something. And I tell, you know, with me, I got a college age son. I got my daughter about to graduate high school this year. And then I got my son in 11th grade. I knew my oldest was going to college. Like, I knew that was going to be his way. My daughter, I don't, I'm even in 12th grade. I'm not sure like what she may do, but my, but my next up, like he was like, look, I don't like school. I don't, I don't like going every day. I don't like waking up early. Like he going to need something different. And I'm like, look, man, you ain't got to go to school and be, you know, a fucking engineer, but but go learn how to drive a Hilo. Right. You know what I'm saying? Go learn how to fix. Absolutely. Go learn how to do some plumbing or or do something that you can sustain a life. Do this. Do, you know, because whatever you, you're going to have to go to school to do it. So to figure out like what about school or what about those classes? Don't you like, because even to be a welder, to be a Hilo, like there's going to be a class associated with that shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, And just finding out like what people like I think uh, everybody think it's got to be geometry, math, uh, philosophy, right. and that's in that school. No, no, school is high low. School is heating and cooling. School is, Trust. you know what I'm saying? I went to a trade school, National Institute of Technology at the time that it existed. And um, we did computer, elect- we did, we built computers from scratch. We built like, uh, radio from AMF and radio from scratch, microphones, all this shit, and it was some math involved, but it would just teach differently. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it was transistors and this and everything. It was just taught differently. Wow. Where it was like, oh, this shit is fire. You know what I'm saying? Like it was never taught like this before. <laughs> and um, yeah, that man. connection. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anything um, you have interest in, you can find schooling for it. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. You know, we try to. I, I, at least I do know. 
that I try to convey to the students. Like, whatever you're interested in and passionate about, you know, you're just trying to level up. You go to school, you find out what it is that you want to do, and do it legit. You know what I'm saying? You don't got to be out here in the streets causing a ruckus, you know, doing all the other shit. When you can go out here and, like, literally, like, own a dispensary, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like just learn like how to smoke just weed, learn, yeah. buy this, earn it, right. own I mean, a dispensary. There's just no reason why you, you know. Um, you know, and I, I wanted to say this, that um, those of us who came of age in the 90s, uh, we are we are all 40-something now. And a lot of times, you know, we'll say, man, they should do this. You know, they should do this. Those who, you know, they, we, we're they now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like anything. <laughs> and so, yeah, and we, for us, it's like we are in leadership roles, whether it's home leadership, community leadership, school leadership, business leadership. You know, we are in these roles where we can make, um, you know, we can help develop that next generation. And so uh, if there's anybody, you know, who has that yearning to do that. Like we in the position to really do that now, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's on us, you know what I'm saying? Those who those of us who came age in the nineties who grew up on hip hop and all stuff like that. Like, you know, I can remember when I first started trying to use hip hop in the classroom, you know, I had the boomers that was in charge. And like that hip hop, you don't, you don't use that, you know. And now it's easier now because those who grew up on it are in leadership positions. Yeah. And they, you know, so <clears throat> it's And it matters who uses it too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I used to be I used to be angry when I heard I wanted commercials to stop rapping to me. Oh yeah, like I don't, oh, yeah. Bert, don't rap to me. But that's don't the try to tell me. Though. Don't t don't sell me. Insert product here with the rap. But like, cause it seems so. I mean, it's it's Burger King or it's Sprite or it's um. Those Sprite commercials used to be good though. Well, Sprite was cool. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, that's authentic ones. Yeah, I'm about to say, nigga, I wanted to try Saint Ives because I heard I heard Nate Dogg singing about it. Yeah, but that's the part where like, nah, nah, that was. You know what I'm saying? Because like, you rapping to me because you know I like rap music, but you're trying to give me some some malt liquor. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like into the corner store. You know what I'm looking for? And when the corporation is using rap music to sell me something, I know it's I know it's bad. So yeah. it matters yeah. who's yeah 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 you know what I'm saying. Who's Remember doing? crooked eyes? Yeah, the juices the were juice. shaped like forty ounce bottles. Yeah, that's that that's that marketing to get you used yeah. to grabbing that fucking uh, used to holding a forty. Yeah, that forty ounce era was crazy, dog. <laughs> Shout out to the homie Trinidad Ant. Yeah. Also, like the we found out that the them little cigarettes with the with the the, the candy smoke and candy, shit yeah. was like owned by like uh, the niggas who do what's the Garrett somebody the, the uh, Philip Morris yeah Philip oh, Morris I didn't know that well, you know what I'm saying uh, because they it's, wanted to get the kids yeah. you now it's an oral fixation I'm I, I got a I got a cigarette in my mouth all the time so now it's yeah. like yep. it's nothing I'm like man these motherfuckers is no, yeah. smart. Now they sucking them uh, USB uh, ports. Marketing. Yeah, that was before marketing. the algorithm. We made that. They made the algorithm. You feel yeah. Off of that. Come yeah. on now. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this shit. Reprogramming right. your brain to think in the future of how they could sell you products. Yeah. That's why they give you the toy with, with McDonald's. So when you was a kid, you associate a good time with yeah. McDonald's and that toy. So now you grow up and you take your kid. Oh, I love McDonald's. When I was growing up, mm -hmm. you got that fucking toy. And like it's a whole whole psychological thing. Uh all right, whose man's is this? Uh I'm not gonna bring the mood down with my my original whose man's is this because it's too it's too messed up. That's a whole nother pie. Um, but whose man's is this? I think people give teachers do teachers a disservice when um when any test scores or anything is down, and then they say that's because y'all don't pay teachers enough. 
as if I would do a better job. I, I could do a better job, but I'm refusing to do a better job because you won't pay me enough. I think that gives a disservice to people who put their heart and soul in that classroom each time. And just the general comment is like, well, that's because y'all don't, y'all don't pay them up. So you mean to tell me they're not giving a hundred percent? And I don't think that's the case. So I, I, don't, I hate that. I hate that saying. I think that does teachers across the, the country uh, like a disservice. Fair enough. Yeah. So it's time for the end of the show. Uh, it's the benediction. So normally when we get to the end, we give our guests the first opportunity to get a socials where people can connect with them. I know y'all teachers and y'all may not need people all in your business, but if you want to give any social plug, anything that you're working on, please share now. Rod, I'm going to start with you and work my way around the table. All right. Uh, Rod Wallace hit me at Where is Wallace? You can also visit Amplify Washington, all one word, to learn about the Amplify Project and what we're doing there. Peace. Hey, man, thanks for having us. Kente Rosser, uh, I enjoyed this as I always do, man. Happy to be here with y'all brothers, man. I, I love the podcast, man, so thanks for having us on. Man, thanks for coming through. Quan Ellums, uh, find me uh, across social media as Quan Ellums, uh, com if you want to get involved. And thank, thank you for having us on here. Appreciate it. Brian Ferguson Bay. I really don't have a lot of social stuff, uh, but you know, if you know me, you can connect with me. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey man, thanks for coming through. Uh, Michael Sieber, uh, only social I'm on for real that I want y'all to see is Instagram. That's E S T Mike A. So E S T M I C A Y E. All right, it's your man Dane, three underscores, three one three. Shit on all the socials I can get access to. Fuck it. Hey, yo, my Lions won. Yeah. My Lions won. Mm-hmm. My Lions is beating ass all year. <laughs> I said it. They're going to win. They're going to win the division. We won the Super Bowl already. And look, yo. man, if the Lions win the Super Bowl, I just want to see I just want to see them be consistently competitive. I'm not even going to jump out the window. I just want to see them be consistently competitive. Yo, uh. Dion won. The Lions won. It was a great sports week in football. Uh, shout out to y'all brothers for coming in. I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a really good conversation. Uh, and I think other our, our listeners going to enjoy this episode too. Um, when you see the blue and the black, you know where you at. Shop Talk Podcast Studio. Book some time. I'm not saying we the Rockefeller Podcast, but we are Jay and Dane. Hell yeah. Peace.